Business today looks nothing like it did yesterday. While it's more unpredictable, its possibilities are endless. At ADP, turning unpredictability into an advantage is what we do. Using data-driven insights, we design HR solutions to help businesses work better, smarter, so they can think beyond today and find even more success tomorrow. HR, time, talent, benefits, payroll. ADP, always designing for people. Chat, let's open up the Spreaker chat as we will see Bill WD-40 enter right about here momentarily to lube us up for tonight's show. And where are we here? Silent Listen, good to see you. And little Katie, welcome to SOR Chat. Let's move on here. Eddie Petch, thanks for joining us. Jeff Steve Garvey, he'll hit a home run for you. Deb from SAC, Eddie Petch again. And uh, who else do we have? Let's see, Ozzy Sue, thank you for joining us. Jeffrey Lane, welcome to SOR Chat, my man. And who else do we have here? Pay Parker, always a pleasure. Mm, uh, we're caught up. We are caught up. And let's see here. <clears throat> All right, let's see where we're going here tonight. And uh, the Super Chat is open. Thank you for Louie for kicking things off, and thank you for everyone joining us. Hi, Fab22. And see, there's Bill WD40 right there, right hanging out in there. And TMI, good to have you here. Don't forget, you can also get tickets for UFOCon 2023 at UFOCon2023.com. I will be speaking there. Up until now, let's just have our horns up and rock it out. of Central British Columbia to you listening around the world. This, my friends, is Spaced Out Radio. I am your host, Dave Scott, listening to the cat on the city in the captain's chair of SOR headquarters. We welcome you to tonight's show on our terrestrial affiliates around North America, digitally on Odyssey Radio, talk stream live at KPNL. All of our archives are free for you. Just join us at youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do old Davey the favor, hit that subscribe button. You can follow us on Twitter at spaced out radio, Instagram at spaced out radio show, and on TikTok at spaced out radio. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read the news wire, check out our swag as well. Tonight's show is brought to you by Chive Charities. Help make the world 10% happier by visiting Chive Charities today. You can find them on our website. In just a few moments' time, we are going to bring on Geraldine Orozco and the Spiritual You, as we are going to get into, into a lot of really cool stuff, especially about unconditional love for yourself, for your friends, for your aliens. Yeah, it's going to be a power show with that. In hour number three, we are going to have the Swamp Dweller here as we bring in him in the third hour for another spooky story. Then, Super Duke from World Bigfoot Radio is going to join us as we are going to get into the cryptid report that finishes things off tonight. Each and every month, we bring in Geraldine Orozco from Bay Area Meditation 
in San Francisco, California. Geraldine has been a very good friend of this show. She has been doing this section for just about seven years now, where we call this little ditty the spiritual you. Yeah, and when Geraldine is here, she tries to hit on all facets of communication, spirituality, and levels of consciousness. She is more than just about finding our Zen and our Chi. She is about teaching us how to heal ourselves, how to heal the wounds, how to heal the past, and heal the future. Yes, it is all possible. Also, she also likes to get into a little bit of alien talk. What alien hybridization is all about. What love is all about. What everything, any, any power ballad from 80s metal is all about. And this is why we love it when Geraldine is here on Spaced Out Radio. And her hair is a 10 out of 10 tonight. Guaranteed. Here you go. Geraldine Orozco, thank you so much for joining us once again on Spaced Out Radio. How are you, my beautiful friend? Hi, I'm fantastic. Thank you so much. Wonderful to be here. How are you, Dave? I am doing well. I am doing well. You know, I am, I'm hanging out. I'm having a good time. Everything is uh, moving forward the way it should. I'm, You know, certain parts I'm getting angry because I just can't understand this whole disclosure thing. But then again, I really don't mind. I really don't mind because there are days like this when I get to talk to my good friend and it just makes it all better. <laughs> That's great. And I think I think we're headed for something good. So I'm excited and holding space. I think it's exciting what's happening. I think it's exciting too. Around. I think it's exciting yeah. too. What have you been working on recently? Oh my god, so much. Don't know even know where where I would begin. But um it's a very busy year. Lots lots of uh, wonderful conferences coming up next month. I'll be in LA with Biomed Expo. And then after that, I'll be in San Diego. This Friday, I'm going to Tucson. So those of you that are in Tucson, stop by. I'd love to meet you, love to see you. I'll be speaking at um, the Solar Gallery. It's this gorgeous art gallery. And we're going to be talking about uh, interdimensional contact and why we need to train ourselves to connect interdimensionally now for spiritual ascension. So it's going to be amazing. All right. You're you're always on tour somewhere. You know, you're like a rock star. You really are. I remember no, the days with Geraldine where, you know, there was no conferences. There was no TV shows. There was just, you know, me and her sitting here. We didn't even have our YouTube channel running live then. And it was just <laughs> audio. And, and, you know, it was all about talking about what we talk about. But now, I mean... Gee whiz. I mean, your schedule is so busy. You literally have to schedule in your own dinner and breakfast and, and, you know, your high tea times, you know, I, I don't know how high you do tea it. Times. Wow. <laughs> Not exactly, but <laughs> thank you, Dave. Yeah. It's a busy time. It's a wonderful time. Um, life is short. There's a lot to get done, a lot of purpose and, um, yeah, I mean, to me, everything that I do is just, it's really fun. It's enjoyable. I love it. So honestly, it doesn't really feel like work. It's its something that I enjoy. And there's so many projects that are coming up. I'm working on a children's book right now that I'm super, super excited about. Um, it's going to be on multidimensional uh, contact and ability for children as well. So it's going to be amazing. I can't wait to get that out. 
So Are, lots of fun stuff. I know you, the topic you want to get into tonight, but let me ask you about children because, yeah. you know, being being a dad and being a grandpa, you know, it's, uh, it's something that is yeah. very, very close to me because I kind of like kids. Okay, I I, yeah. I love children, and how open are they to the needs of of finding their own spirituality at a young age? Well, it's not so much as finding spirituality as something separate from when they are. Actually, children are innately connected from the womb to a, a place that is safe a place that is nurturing within the womb, that whole experience of being in the womb is a place of neutrality and it is the closest to their source. So when they are ripped from that warm space and they have to be put out into the world, into all of this contrast, that's where the human has to completely adapt and begin to experience separation for the first time. So I think it's it's actually the child is actually much closer to unconditional love, to love, to expansion, um, more so than... Um, than adults. In fact, I work with a lot of children in DNA reprogramming and hypnotherapy. And when I work with them, it is amazing. Usually when I'm working with them to find emotion, to turn into peace, to tune into harmony, they they can access that really quick. They, they know what it is. It's like innate in them. Uh, even when they're not in, in households that are necessarily peaceful, even when they're chaotic households, they, they know, but with adults, sometimes I have to spend hours in order to access the feeling of love or peace, you know. So I think children, uh, they embody they embody a certain level of, of profound awareness. They are more awake than we are. They are less, um, less covered in filters, you know, perceptive filters where their perception is being filtered by fears, by anxieties. So they're more close to truth they're okay with truth they're comfortable with truth still and um it's it's easier for them so it's really beautiful to witness the last few weeks my nine-year-old son has decided that he was going to learn about christianity and god and jesus and it it kind of tripped me out because you know, not that I'm not a religious person, because I'm not. I'm I'm very spiritual, but I do have a belief in God and, and everything like that, just the way I believe and the way I brought up. But I I never talk about it around because I, I, I think I think spiritualism is a very personal thing. And that relationship, whether you believe in God or Buddha or Allah or Brahma or Vishnu or source or consciousness or whatever it may be, I believe that's a very personal connection that one has to make. So here I am listening to my my little guy here who's decided to uh, get into all of this, and he's asked some pretty tough questions to me that I, I'm kind of like not really uncomfortable answering, you know, but just trying to do my best and feeling that I'm not giving him the, the, the right answer because I don't know what the right answer is. You know, when children go on these adventures, whether it's about God, Jesus, dinosaurs, uh, you know, uh, apes or sharks or anything else that he has gotten into over the years, along with Transformers, you know, I think as parents, we just have to let the children explore and let their imag- their minds grow with as much knowledge as possible, whether or not it doesn't, pr- whether or not it pertains to your personal beliefs or not. 
let them form it for themselves. Would that be a, a good standard to set for us, especially when it comes to our own spiritual awakenings? You know, uh, yes, but I, I will also add to that, Dave, that I think I think one of the most valuable things that I learned through my spiritual journey is the ability uh, to understand how to how to do self inquiry, how how to ask the questions that I needed in order to find the answers, because I realized that. I didn't even know I had permission to ask a lot of the questions that later on in life, when I began to ask them, I was like, how was I even living as a operating as a human without really understanding these basic things? Like, for example, love, like, for example, truth, nature, um, and then the concept of spirituality, you know, what, how do we access that? And more importantly, how do you integrate a spiritual aspect of yourself? Because as you said, it is very personal into an everyday life. You know, th- th- that's something that becomes very compartmentalized in our in our culture, in, in many of our cultures. Um, you know, we, we have a survival mode for work and life. And then we have the spiritual side, which is always not always shown how to merge. So I think that one one advice that I would add to that is to um, help the child understand how to become inquisitive and ask questions into even their own beliefs. Um, in a healthy way, to have a healthy level of skepticism, where they can always fall back on their own internal guidance system in in order to discern what they're learning. Because a lot of religions, as we know, are very deeply cut uh, with very specific, um, you know, beliefs, dogmatic beliefs, um, and very, very specific uh, ways of looking at many different things. And there is always an external source. And one of the things that, that happens when, when kids hold on to that is I find that later on, it's harder to make them understand their own empowerment. So it's, it's better at an early age to help them access that discerning intuition at the very least, help them train intuition, you know, how to listen to all this information and see what is really applicable to them and to allow them to know that they are able to experiment with this information to see if it's applicable, um, applicable to them in their lifestyle and the way that they see things. I think that's really, really important for kids nowadays. I think so, too. You know, because one thing that children do have that a lot of us have forgotten as we get older, maybe we get a little bit too shady in life. We don't stop trusting people. We've been burnt. We've been hurt. We've been scarred. We've been beaten. We've been ruined. You know, we've been uh, gone through many experiences that children have it. And the one thing I think we can learn about is unconditional love. And the love that children have for the people who they trust. It's instant love, whether it's a friend, a grandparent, a parent, a a sibling, or whomever it may be. And I know you wanted to touch on unconditional love tonight. Yeah, I think it's such an important question, especially because tonight, uh, this month, you know, a lot of people are talking about love, the topic of love, partnerships, relationships, and how those uh, pan out in our everyday experiences. But also because this is essential to the way that we exist in, in humanity. And it's going to be a very, a very key tool 
for the kinds of changes that we're going through, whether it's the disclosure movement, whether it's politics, whether it's the world uh, wars that are happening in the world, natural disasters, you know, we we need to uh, really work on creating a foundation of unconditional love within us in order to create a foundation of self-trust, of discernment, and self-empowerment in, where, in which we can always fall back on and utilize, not, not just fall back on, but actively apply into our everyday experiences and lives. So I think that this is something that is a really important topic to have at the beginning of the year as well. And um, yeah, I'd, I'd love to dive into that. Um, there's many facets, but you know what I really wanted to talk about is the severity of unconditional love, because mm-hmm. a lot of people, <laughs> a lot of people think of unconditional love as a very very fairy tale thing. It's a very uh, wonderful, loving thing where everything is just going to be okay, no matter who you are and what you are and what you do. But that is actually not the way unconditional love um, works. Um, and so I would love to kind of touch on those because a lot of people ask me about that. They become very confused about it. And then um, when they have conflicts in their relationships, whether it's with their kids, you know, or with your parents or with your family and friends and partners, um, they, there's a, a contrast there. So maybe we can talk about that. Love is something that we all strive for and acceptance, yet many don't get it, you know, whether it's from uh, childhood experiences, whether it's from, you know, everything that kind of goes on with what we learn, what we know, you know, growing up in abusive households uh, really, you know, cancels out a lot of that, that understanding of what love is, you know, and as adults, I mean, whether you're in a bad relationship or, or you're, you know, the love of your life passes away or, or you get divorced or you find your spouse cheating on you or, or whatever it may be. I mean, there is a lot of things that go on, Geraldine, that really make us mistrust, you know, the word love and what it defines. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's right. And and that's exactly why we want to talk about the severity of love, because what does it mean? Does it mean that we're going to have, you know, all of these experiences and love the same way that we did before? How do we create healthy boundaries? How do we create, uh, you know, uh, relationships that are respectful and reciprocal in that case? So um, in order to understand this, we really need to get down to the laws of, of nature and what we are as org- organisms. We are organic, multidimensional beings. And what that means is that the way that we interact with each other is based on, because we are bioelectric more than anything, we are biochemical, but we are also very bioelectric uh, organisms. Um, We attract and we uh, uh, reject or expel um, people, places, and things based on our resonance. Okay, so we have to get that law really, we have to understand that really well. And this is the key to understanding why we have patterns in our relationships. And I'm not just talking about romantic relationships. I'm talking about relationships with your your coworker, relationships with your parents, with your kids, whoever it is that you're having a relationship with. There are certain patterns because we, we our entire personalities are kind of designed from the womb until the age of seven based on programming. And so we take that programming on and we make it a personality, all kinds of masks that we wear in order to navigate our everyday experience in a way that we feel safe um, and protected, 
Um, and so we'll, we'll talk about protection tonight because that's a really big topic when it comes to love. You know, how do you surrender to love and yet not get hurt when things go awry, wow, you know, go, go south. So it's really important to take a look at this because um, uh, these laws, these basic laws of, of understanding yourself, of resonance, are basically what attract these kinds of experiences into your life and partners and relationship opportunities. And if we don't break those patterns early on, we just keep repeating them. And we find uh, the toxic relationship with father in the partner or in the colleague or in the child. And actually we inherit it into the child and the child plays out the same kind of role as we did. So this is the first important part of understanding unconditional love. And um, it's one of the ones that I want to talk on. So Oh, I don't know how much time we have. Uh, so. We got about four and a half minutes before we got to go to break at the bottom of the hour. Oh. Geraldine Roscoe, our resident Cupid, is our guest tonight on Space Already. So who who does Geraldine love? Is there is there a love of Geraldine's life out there that that has you smiling and, and feeling all giggly inside? Oh, I love everybody. I love everybody. And I am... I am the love of the universe. The universe loves me. The beloved, the beloved is the one that's in love with, with source and with the all. And that's my, that's my partner. <laughs> you, you do, you do so, realize, uh, I'm, I'm going to throw some flirting here out at you, right? But you do oh, realize yeah. that the name David means beloved. That's right. That's right. There you go. That was very smart. Uh-huh. Winning. Yes, beloved. Winning. <laughs> That's all I got to say. Winning. That's beautiful. Mm-hmm. So good choice of words there for the beloved yeah. of life. You are beloved by life. I love it. I love it. As we got three minutes to go here before we got to go to break. Geraldine, it's very easy to fall in love. It, it, and it's very easy to have your heart broken. The one thing that I've learned through my many tragic relationships throughout my life is... It's better to listen to the soul than the heart because the heart breaks. The soul is strong and can define who you are. Do you look at it that way too? Yeah, I love the way you, you talked about that. And, and let's talk about why. <laughs> What's the soul? The soul is the infinite life force that feeds into this organism, into the physical. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. O'Reilly Auto Parts provides more than just the right parts for your repair. Our professional parts people can also offer free check engine light diagnosis. We can scan your vehicle and provide a list of possible fixes. Find the right parts for you or recommend a great local repair shop. Don't ignore your check engine light. Stop by your local O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. When you need auto parts, O'ReillyAuto.com is just a few clicks away. We offer convenient options for you to get your parts quickly. Order online and pick up for free at your local O'Reilly Auto Parts store. We'll even bring it out curbside. Or you can have your parts delivered right to your door with free shipping on most orders over $35. Visit O'ReillyAuto.com. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts physical body, the physical vessel. It's the physical vessel that's actually the one that feels the love, love that is this romantic 
kind of love towards something else, an attraction, a need, a desire. Okay, so um, what that means is what actually informs the desires that you're going to have towards another attraction partner uh, is also programmed deeply within us. And it's not just in this lifetime. It's something that we've inherited and we are using, we are actually holding on through through collective trauma. In fact, when I work with my clients every day in DNA reprogramming, I find in couples that the same kind of attraction that brought their their partner together uh, is the same kind of dynamic that mother was playing out with father, that grandfather was playing out with grandma, and so on and so forth. And we can trace these patterns back. So what is that telling us? It tells us something about the way that we are holding patterns of behavior and programming of what love is and the dynamics that we share with one another. So in this case, if if your partnership is imbalanced exchange, meaning that it's not, it's giving more than you're receiving or vice versa, or it becomes traumatic, painful, you know, abusive, those kinds of things are a reflection of trauma that we're kind of repeating. So um, what we do is we want to get to the root cause of these programs and deprogram them, begin to input other more expansive ways of looking at what is needed. And the interesting thing about this is what we find after working with so many so many couples um, and part individual um, you know partner dynamics is essentially that what every human is looking for is love is that unconditional love it is that feeling of acceptance approval attention affection love okay so if we break down the word love into these different uh, layers of emotions we begin to create a list of things that a human requires in order to feel that love. And every human is different in their list, but it always is going to include acceptance, peace, harmony, and balance. And so how do we access that balance is essentially it has to become from the internal. The, The individual has to access and create that internal balance within them. And we do that and we learn how to do that by first learning how to love the self. So unless the human, this is what I see after working with hundreds of clients over and over again, different dynamics, different stories, that because they are all seeking love, what if we would internalize that search for love. And we're not going to talk about Geraldine Orozco in The Spiritual You. It's all about the love tonight for your bank accounts open a week from now for Valentine's Day. Yeah, get ready to pay, people. Get ready to pay. Space Out Radio continues after this. Oh, no. I love it. I do. Dave, that's not the right thing. Oh, no. It's hilarious. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. I'm going to tell everyone not to open their wallets. That's funny. It's just amazing that the next day, flowers are 90% off. I know. (laughs) Unbelievable. (laughs) <laughs> oh, that's all good. It's all good. I am on water. I am on water. Ooh, nice. 
How is that going? I hate water. <laughs> you know, you know what? I, I I shouldn't say I hate water. I hate warm water or t- room temperature water. And I realize yeah. that's healthier for you. It's easier to digest and everything. But there's some, yeah. but there's something really good about ice cold water. You know, ice cold yeah. water just kind of gives you that little bang when it hits your mouth and it's like, "Oh, I like that." I like that. <laughs> well, I I guess you're kind of a polar bear though. So maybe you need you need that kind of cold water. Uh, yeah. I would that. never do a polar bear swim though. Those are just dumb. Those are just dumb. Really? No. You don't do the cold oh, dipping? Oh, hell no. Oh, hell no. Hell no. I thought I thought all of the people up there should, were supposed to do that in order to keep their immune system up. Lady, you, you're the person who wears a, a furry coat jacket, faux fur, of course, at faux 60 fur, yeah. degrees. Correct. Yes, I'm from <laughs> California. I'll remind yeah. you. <laughs> yes, yeah. that is correct. Yeah. When Geraldine and I went for dinner last year in San Francisco, I was in shorts and flip-flops and a t-shirt, and here she was bundled up like an Eskimo, uh, ready for, you know, the ne- second coming of the Ice Age, right? I'm teasing. And it was raining that day? It was I raining. Think. It was raining. <laughs> it was raining, yes. Hi, Jurassic Joey and Hot Tamale. How are you? Good to have you guys back. Mark Sanchez, give us an update if you uh, wouldn't mind on which Hawaiian shirt you're wearing for tonight's show. Uh, he says, Geraldine, you'd a bomb forever. Yes. Oh, Mark, thank yeah. you. He's Love a he's an awesome dude. Here. He's an awesome dude. He came to our Vegas party last year. Oh, yeah. awesome. Yeah. Uh, President Zaddy. Uh, salute, Dave. She's hot. Is she going to be in Vegas? Yes, Geraldine is planning on coming to Vegas, fingers crossed, that her schedule allows her to. Uh, last year did not allow her to, but this year we are hoping. And uh, probably be a last-minute thing, but I think I think Geraldine's coming this year. I do. I think she might. Yeah. And then she's going to take you all out to the poker table and take all your money because she <laughs> is a red-hot gambler. And uh, Really? That's cool. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> uh, hi, hi, Ozzy Ange. How are you, uh, Ozzy Ange and her? Oh, Angie, how are Isn't you? Isn't she amazing? So She's amazing. Love her. You ever see Brilliant. this? You ever see her pictures on Instagram? The size of her husband. He's like six foot wow. five and like two fifty of solid muscle. Wow! Yeah. No, I haven't. Yeah, yeah, big That's dude. Great, big dude. Yeah, he's the kind of guy you look up to shake his hand, but you don't make eye contact. Uh, <laughs> Gloria, thank you for coming on in. And let's see here. Uh, I think we're caught up on people. Uh, Ozzy Ange hopefully will be traveling to Las Vegas for our fan party this year. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. That's going to be so great. Well, now I definitely have to make sure I, I yeah. go there because I would love to meet Angie. Yeah. Me too. Me too. She was there six weeks. Get this. She was in Las Vegas for six weeks last year, okay? Wow. And the day before, I said, guys, I said, what are you going back? She said, I don't know, maybe this weekend or whatever. The day before I arrive, she leaves. She's like, screw this. I don't want to meet Dave. I'm out of here. I'm out of here. You know? <laughs> I don't think so. Yeah. No, it, it was true. True story. Yeah. She heard her husband bolted the minute they knew I was flying into Vegas. 
Oh, that's funny. Oh, yeah. Just missed her then. But hopefully this year we will be able to see her. I know. I know. Uh, Thank you, Forrest Louie. And who else just... uh, uh, I'll say thank you to Louis Times too, Deb, Thomas, Simon, Mike, and Carlito for the super chats tonight. Hello, number seven in your program, number one in your hearts, Lars Janssen. He'll be starting at center ice tonight. Center ice. And uh, oh, let's see here. Uh, Dave, I was booked to leave. Where Where were you for six weeks? Oh, that's not fair. Here we go, everyone. Let's do it. Second half hour of Spaced Out Radio is now underway. Here we go. Geraldine Orozco is our guest tonight. We love having her here. want to remind you that if you miss portions of this show, you can check out our archives on YouTube, Spotify, Apple, iTunes, wherever you can download a podcast. We are there. And our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read the newswire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. Here we go. Geraldine Roscoe and the Spiritual You, her website, GeraldineRosco.com, where Geraldine comes in once a month to cleanse us of our zen, our chi, and anything else that is dark around us. Yeah, she takes a scrub brush, puts a little disinfectant on there, and cleans us all up once a month. It's good meditation for the soul. Geraldine, welcome back. (laughs) Thank you so much. So happy to be here as always. Unconditional love. You know, we all sing about it. 80s ballads are still classic for it. But it's a truth that each and every one of us goes through. When we are looking for love... A lot of times we're looking in the wrong places when the person that we should be, you know, courting, shall we say, is standing right in front of us. Yet we don't see them. We are blind to the fact sometimes of those who want to love us back. Why are we blind sometimes? Mm -hmm. Awesome question. Well, here's the thing. You see the patterns, as I was saying before the break, the patterns that we have in order to pick our partners are actually really subconscious. And actually most of our human expressions are rooted in subconscious belief systems. So if you, if you take time to, to get to know those subconscious belief systems, you begin to understand that the desires behind the things that you yearn and you want and you need, a lot of them are actually based on survival. A lot of them are based on, um, fears. We fear abandonment. We fear being lonely. We fear being rejected. We fear not being loved. And all of those fears are really, really huge in our humanity. They are so huge that they, this, these little desires fund the entire Valentine's holiday system, uh, you know, holidays, along with many other uh, Hallmark holidays around the year. Because if you maintain this illusion, this concept that this love has to be a very passionate and um, romantic, uh, exciting, chemically inducing kind of interaction, 
um, we basically become addicted to that drive, to that, to that search, to that chemical hit. And we actually run after that. We chase that. So what happens is that our relationships essentially no longer really even have any love anymore. It is all about a chemical response that we're chasing. It's all about survival and it's all about the preservation and the protection of those little emotions such as fear, rejection, um, you know, and anxiety and a lot of abandonment programs. So this, this is what usually makes up the majority of the programs that kind of attract us to the partners that we get. And for a lot of people that have dealt with abandonment uh, from a parent, from a parental figure at an early age, um, there's a lot of different dynamics that play out. Either we, uh, we, we don't recognize or we don't hold on to the love that we have because we're afraid of that love leaving us. So we quickly try to find something else to kind of suppress that emotion, that fear. Um, and this is where, uh, you know, uh, adults end up having infidelity and mistrust and breaking this union with their partners. Um, and in addition to that, we can't be satiated. Our need for love will never be met because we're, we're love is not something that is just given. Again, you, we don't understand we're chasing that chemical hit. Um, it's something that has to be cultivated. And real love, unconditional love, is essentially something that we have to cultivate internally with ourselves first. And here's why. <laughs> because essentially love is never really something that we get from another person. And this is the thing that we're not taught in our society because of Disney, because of Hollywood. Greg O'Brien, 100% correct. He says, unconditional love is Hollywood made and set up for us for failure in our relationships. And the reason why he says that is literally because we grow up with Disney. We grew up with the entertainment industry which feeds us. And there's so, if, if you study a lot of these Disney films, there's a lot of psychological um, belief systems that are indoctrinated into, ch into children belief systems about relationships and partnerships and love. And, and the role that we play as women and men, even those are kind of inverted. Okay, they're inverted in such a way that we have these really false upside down ideas as to what the woman needs to do in order to be accepted and loved and the man what he needs to do to be accepted and loved. So we end up having a, a, a society that's completely has is nowhere near real love. They've never felt it from parents because parents are a product of the same programming. They've never felt it from, you know, themselves because that's never been cultivated and, and invited in order to cultivate that. And they also don't have an example of that in society. We don't have partners that are uh, showing these conscious relationships up until maybe a couple uh, years ago. We, we started hearing the, the term conscious uh, relationship a little bit more because we're kind of learning more about that now. We're evolving as a, as a human race. Um, but, you know, these are things that we need to educate our children and educate ourselves and what it means to cultivate this connection. And um, essentially, unconditional love uh, for the self is the first step. Okay, we have to, we have to fall in love with ourselves. And I'm going to explain the mechanics of that. As I was mentioning at the beginning of this show, we are 
we are bioelectrical organisms, okay, which means that we function by charge. That charge, electrical charge that we emit creates a frequency. That frequency is creates a resonance with the things that we encounter. And so if your frequency is encoded with all kinds of abandonment issues, fear of rejection, fear, resentment, anger towards the uh, sex that you are interested in, it's going to create that magnet for you to attract that same thing. And so what happens is that you're not attracting something that uh, is, uh, you know, the dream love that you're thinking of, but it's actually repeating the pattern that you're, you're expressing, that you're attracting and putting out, right? So what happens is that we get into these dynamics and at face value, there might be lots of beautiful masks and layers that will look like, oh my God, this is the perfect person. They don't play the same role. They, they're, they're not like my ex. They're like amazing. And then, you know, get together and then a couple years down the road you begin to discover that actually it's the same kind of dynamic you feel the same way um, you're you're still feeling abandoned you're still feeling lonely disconnected so this is why we need to repair the internal separation the wars that we have internally with us about the shadow aspects of ourselves the part of ourselves that we reject profoundly our insecurities our doubt the issues that we have with abandonment the issues that we have with being lonely this is a huge one because of the kind of society that we live in um, our society is designed for everything to be compartmentalized it's designed for us to have this idea that being an individual survivor is actually successful. Like if you are either a woman or a man that's super, super individualistic and successful, um, you know, that's how you will gain money, abundance, you know, the, the wonderful partner, all those things. Um, and those are illusions that cause tremendous amount of suffering for the human race because they're completely inversions of truth. Um a human has to uh, train themselves to embody uh, acceptance of all these parts first. So I'll stop right there and then we can go. I, I want to ask though, because there are yeah. a lot, especially as society has matured, there are a lot of people now who just love being single. They don't want a relationship. They don't want to be tied down. You know, if they want to, if, Hey, if they, you know, want to go, uh, you know, have a good time. A lot of people have friends with benefits. You know, a lot of people have have their family. Maybe they're close to their nieces and nephews. They don't want their own children. They love their own space. They love the way they've designed their condo or their home or or the vehicle that they drive. And, and they love to travel two, three times a year. This is the life many people are setting up for themselves to live in their own cocoon. Yet they're not struggling with the love aspect. They've channeled it into different areas, whether it's family, whether it's friends, whether it's life itself. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think, you know, there's two sides to that coin. And, and here I'll tell you something, because we are going into... You know, we have major social issues in, in our world today. And I, I'll give you Japan as an example, China as an example, but also the U.S. I mean, many countries are dealing with this. But, uh, you know, Japan is an interesting example because in Japan they have the highest rates of uh you know, not having ch childbirth anymore, um, people no longer being able to date, um, the whole concept of 
foreign partners is really huge uh, in Japan and people don't want to mate with one another. And what's actually that resulted in is that couples are finding digital partners, like literally little digital artificial partners. it's not really artificial intelligence. It's more like just a computing game of some sort that interacts with you uh, as a partner, believe it or not. So this is something that's been happening for years. And now um, the kind of depression, the rates of depression, the rates of, of, of loneliness that people are experiencing are profound. So this is an expression of on a whole other side of the spectrum where, you know, our concepts of relationships and separation and the lack of internal work has caused a severe crack in the way that we're embodying consciousness and, and love. The other side of that spectrum are the people that, you know, get into relationships um, and or, you know, just for uh, sexual pleasure, but without cultivating a intimate relationship or actual true intimacy. And both of these examples end up um, feeling the same way. That's the thing. So um, statistically around the world, the way people are experiencing relationships is more like a transaction transactional exchange rather than something that is something that we're, we're cultivating. And I think that this is kind of like a rebirthing phase of some sort that we're going through right now because the ways that we are discerning, the ways that we're living, the ways that we are looking at truth and um, looking at what family is, um, sexual roles, um, gender roles in society, those things are all are changing a bit, you know, um, uh, sexual identities. You know, we, we have a lot of, of, of things in that. Is your new year still falling flat? You are not alone. This year, millions will be diagnosed with low energy, but Planet Fitness has the cure. Boost your energy with tons of equipment in our clean and spacious clubs for $1 down and $10 a month. No commitment. Cancel any time. Deal ends February 16th. See Home Club for details. Is your new year still falling flat? You are not alone. This year, millions will be diagnosed with low energy, but Planet Fitness has the cure. Boost your energy with tons of equipment in our clean and spacious clubs for $1 down and $10 dollars a month no commitment cancel anytime deal ends february 16th see home club for details realm that are coming to the surface right now and that is going to help us break away from these very um compartmentalized ways of looking at relationships the way it was before i think a lot of a lot of religion has also played and does play a major role in shame and guilt around partnerships around desires around what love is uh, we still have a lot of cultures that are practicing arranged marriages, for example, where love is not even in the equation. It's really more about the transactional union in order to create a family. Okay, so when we have all these different kinds of, of love going on, um, you know, is that really love? And the answer is no. So what love essentially is, uh, is the complete acceptance of yourself as an individual. And when you actually really do that, when you complete that completely, and I've experienced this myself, um, you really don't even have the desire to have a partner. You don't because um, you, you understand that everything that you require, you are able to fulfill your own needs. You know, you don't, you, loneliness, you know, your feelings of, of rejection, acceptance, um, uh, abandonment issues, all those things are kind of addressed internally and you feed and nurture yourself with that. So, you know, you don't need that. So on the other higher 
higher level of relationships, something that I've discovered is that relationships on the higher spiritual plane are really about ascension, about uh, coming into partnerships is an agreement between two conscious individuals that want to evolve together. And I think that people are really starting to realize that now, people that are looking for the relationships. And they're also discovering that marriages, that concept of marriages is kind of changing. Um, We no longer can stay in partnerships that two partners are not evolving consciously in parallel. It's causing a lot of conflict because that, that's natural. That's the natural law of the universe. When we don't evolve together, we can't unite in resonance. We can't learn together. And so the vibrational frequency is not a match anymore. And so this is where we start having conscious decoupling and looking for partners that are a match for that ascension and spiritual journey. So this is, this is the other spectrum that we're seeing a lot of. Um, in terms of relationships. I want to get to Mark's comment here because I think it's important. He says, I hear I don't need anyone but myself far too often these days. People place no longer value relationships or the need for heartfelt human companionship and intimacy. Totally. I agree. I agree, Mark. Yeah. Sorry. And and I think in in a lot of ways, the internet has hurt that because you know with all these dating sites you're not going out and and really taking a risk on yourself when you could go shopping at home you know and a lot of these dating sites are are all about either uh finding someone for a a sexual relationship or a one night stand or it's something where you, you take somebody on a date, but you still haven't eliminated that profile because the grass may be greener on the other side. You know, I mean, you may find out that, you know, if, if you're a guy dating a girl, that she's the perfect woman. But when she takes her shoes off, she's got ugly feet. You don't like ugly feet. So you figure, well, I'm going to go shopping again. Right. It happens. It does happen. But that's how we have become. We're looking for the perfect model for all of us. Well, and again, see, this is where we want to differentiate what love is, because what you just described right there, you know, the the feet, the ugly feet that aren't working so well, um, because that individual is looking for a partner based on their desires. And a lot of those are sexual desires, uh, desires for arousal. Um, And what happens with that is that it's based on passion. And passion is a very short-lived uh, emotion in, in the emotional ranges. It's very temporary. We can only reach that peak for a short amount of time because it's not sustainable. It's not something that will maintain balance and harmony in our physical body biochemically, um, but also interrelationship wise, it's not realistic. You know, so what happens is again, we are, we are trained by the endorphin hits from childhood because of technology, number one, uh, you go onto Instagram, you get a quick gratification hit, you get acknowledgement, you go on the dating app, you get a gratification hit. Uh, somebody says, hello, you feel like you were acknowledged and flirted with. So now you're, you know, you feel t- taken care of for a moment. And so we are like little rabbits in a lab. Our humanity has kind of become trained to chase that endorphin hit. And so we, 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 likewise begin to change, change uh, chase our passions you know and and 
a lot of those passions are based on sexual desire because we've also been programmed that relationships are about sexual satisfaction. They're there to meet your sexual needs. That's also another uh, untruth that's kind of put into our culture as a result of pornography industry, which multi-million, multi-billion dollar industry, along with the entertainment industry. And one of the ways that you keep humanity in a state of hypnosis and suppression is by manipulating their sexual um, desires. You know, these are the first three chakras of the body. You make them feel fearful, separated. Sorry, go ahead. No, I I was just going to say, I I agree with you, but on, on the flip side, okay. If you, if you were somebody, we've never really gone this, this deep into this show before. So I'm kind of weirded out and, excited where it's going to go at the same time but the idea behind it though is this if you have a partner who let's say doesn't have the same sexual fantasies or desires as you that's not really going to be a good match because eventually there's only three things that break up a couple and that is sex money and usually politics slash family in, in a normal re- family, that's a product of programming, and it's what I call matrix programming. Yes, all of the things that you just named out are all survival mechanisms that we've, we've adapted as part of our truth for survival. This is something that we need to break in us, in society, in order to learn how to transcend limited uh, desires, which always result in suffering. You know, this is the thing. So, so, and this is, this is, we're talking about spirituality here, next level evolution, maturity, spiritual maturity of man. What do they need to do in order to have an expansive, healthy way of life? They need to handle the ego part that is always chasing the whatever sexual desire is created and and you know we could talk about this for hours because but but um a lot of sexual fetishes um and desires uh psychologically you know they're very complex they're very very complex and a lot of them are rooted in traumas uh some level of traumas uh some level of suppression of certain uh sexual aspects of the self and um, a lot of shame and a lot of guilt, actually. So here's the thing. If you work with someone one-on-one, and, and I'm not saying your sexual desire is wrong. I want to be really clear about that because, um, you know, we have these conversations and then we, we take things black and white, but nothing is black and white. Never. Okay. Um, we, you know, sex is a natural part of our expression um, and we need that. But to have healthy balance and not end up in these partnerships of dissatisfaction, divorce, chaos, uh, infidelity, uh, you know, dishonesty. Uh, a human has to do a good amount of shadow work and get to know themselves enough in order to understand why they desire what they desire. And I think that's essential for any human that is entering into the dating realm as early as possible. But it's not something that's talked about, you know, um, just to take a look at, you know, what, what has their experience with sex and love been? Did they ever feel love from their parents? A lot of, a lot of my clients, for example, they've never felt love and affection from the parent. So when they go into a relationship, they really don't know what they're looking for. And a lot of times abusive relationships turn out to be 
um, just as good, you know. So this, these are some these are really important topics that we need to start talking about uh, inter- internally, internal dialogue, and, and figure out for ourselves, and then begin to help our children because right. as a next generation. But you know what? Yeah. It, it is give and take, though. Okay, it is give and take, and a lot of times, you know, uh, I have been in many relationships where I give, 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 but I never get. You know, I mean, hell, I would like a, I would like a bouquet of flowers every now and again. I like flowers. Okay, yeah, I do. Yes. I like flowers. You know, but there's nothing wrong with coming home one day to see candle lights. Okay, and. And somebody who you love, let's say in my case, it would be a woman, you know, dressed up saying, hello, how are you today? Dressed in in silky lingerie. That would be okay. But it never happens. It's just a pipe dream, right? I mean, this is what... This is what I think. I'm not saying fetish I'm say, or fantasy. I'm saying every now and again, we forget that we need to spice things up in order to, to make things actually work. And it ends a lot of arguments, too. <laughs> Okay. Uh, Yes. And I think one of the things that we want to have in our partnerships in terms of conversations about needs is actually really, really essential. And it's something that we don't spend a lot of time doing. Basic conversations about what our needs are and how to meet them, why we're not meeting them um, is essential in couples, you know, and and because it's such a give and take, remember that usually sexual activity in a couple is only allowed after a certain level of intimacy is cultivated between two individuals. Very true. Very true. We're talking love tonight on Spaced Out Radio. Geraldina Roscoe and the Spiritual You. Her website, GeraldinaRoscoe.com. If you want to have a reading with her, I highly recommend it. We'll be back with hour number two of Spaced Out Radio right after this. All right, we are clear. We are clear. Awesome. Yes. Let's take a break. I know you're going to want to take a break because you always take a break at this time. So this is usually where I'm going to put you back in the green room, and then I'll be right back, okay? All right. Geraldina Roscoe. That's why we love her around here. She's so smart. So smart. Bacon roses. I hate you, Thin Lizzie Borden. I'd never get Bacon Roses. Mm, what a band name, too. Bacon bake and Roses. Bake and Roses. I like it. I'll be right back.
I am back. We got about one minute. Want to say thank you to all of our super chatters, Louis times, excuse me, Louis times two, Carlito, Greg, Deb, Thomas, Simon, and Mike. <coughs> excuse me. And uh, we want to remind you that if you're planning on going to Las Vegas and you want to be a VIP for our fan party, we need to know by April 1st, April 1st. So make sure you go, go to info at spacedoutradio.com, info at spacedoutradio.com, and let us know that you want a VIP package. And I will also be in Las, uh, San Francisco on March 17th through 19th for UFOCon 2022, or 23, pardon me. Go to ufocon2023.com, and there's going to be a bunch of great people speaking there. I'd love to see you there. So get your tickets at ufocon2023.com. Here we go at the next hour. You're listening to Spaced Out Radio with Dave Scott. Follow Dave on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio. And on Facebook, Spaced Out Radio Show. Here we go with hour number two of Spaced Out Radio tonight. My name is Dave Scott. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us. We very much appreciate earning your listening ears wherever you are on this beautiful planet we call Earth. Hello to everyone listening in on our terrestrial affiliates around North America, digitally on Odyssey Radio, Talk Stream Live, and KPNL. All of our archives are free. Join us at youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do old Davey the favor, hit that subscribe button. The Desert Clam has set the password for tonight in the SOR Space Travelers Club. What do you got for us, Clam? Vadamechum. Vadamechum is your password. Use it wisely, Space Travelers, as the Clam sets the password each and every night right here on Spaced Out Radio. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read the newswire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. Here we go. The Spiritual You, hour number two with Geraldine Orozco from Bay Area Meditation in San Francisco, California. Geraldine comes in near the beginning of each month to teach us about our Zen, our Chi, our aliens, and our love lives. Yes. We are talking love, unconditional love tonight. Geraldine, it is always a pleasure to have you here, my dear. Thank you for coming on in. I'll get you to unmute your mic. And let's just start with a, an audience. Pleasure is all mine. Thank you. Let's just start with an audience question here. And let's go to Thin Lizzie. Geraldine, what is your love language or languages? <laughs> oh, that's a really good question. Um I believe, well, here's, here's the thing. It, it used to be uh, speaking language communication. Um, but I will say that after coming and training myself to come into a neutral point, I feel that I transcended that and I don't need to have those specific languages with a partner anymore. Now it's kind of just holding space and loving unconditionally in a way where I allow the other human to just be their authentic expression 
and I meet them at that place. And then, you know, we see where we move forward. So you can transcend those love languages because those are deep rooted programs of needs. Again, they're needs that we have, but if you meet those needs, they don't need to be externalized. So, um, yeah, thank you so much for that question. I never knew there was love languages. Yeah, it's it's an interesting psychology to see what you need in a relationship. It's a really profound. You can take a little quiz, um, and it'll tell you what you're what you need. For example, if you love flowers, Dave, your one of your lang- languages might be need for gifts. Some people need to have gifts. They need to have tokens of affection being shown, um, you know, or given. Like Sasquatch yeah. heads, like I got the other day. There you go. That is so cute. <laughs> That's so cute. Yes. I yes. It. I, I, I want to ask you uh, regarding, you know, love and, and, you know, in the last half hour, we kind of got on personal. Businesses need to think beyond today. That's why ADP uses data-driven insights to design HR solutions to help your business find more success tomorrow. HR, time, talent, benefits, payroll, ADP, always designing for people. Business today looks nothing like it did yesterday. While it's more unpredictable, its possibilities are endless. At ADP, turning unpredictability into an advantage is what we do. Using data-driven insights, we design HR solutions to help businesses work better, smarter, so they can think beyond today and find even more success tomorrow. HR, time, talent, benefits, payroll. ADP, always designing for people. But uh, the personal affection point of everything, but you know, a lot of people, as we said, are choosing to remain single. They're they're not getting into marriage. They're more getting into cohabitation. They're getting more into, uh, you know, staying away from traditional marriage. Even though, uh, you know, because nobody wants to spend forty, fifty thousand dollars on a wedding anymore, you know, even ten thousand dollars on a wedding seems high for a lot, you know. But we're if I, you know, I've been seeing this. Maybe it's just me. I see it trending online where you see a lot of cohabitation going on, where people have partnered up, and instead of doing a regular job, they're they're moving into motorhomes or 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 converted vans, and they're just working from home or wherever they are located. And they're literally, you know, one night they're spending it in a Walmart parking lot. The next night it's at the beach. The next night they're somewhere in the forest. You know, you know what I'm saying? They, they are working as freely as possible. To me, I look back at it because I'll be 50 years old this year. I know I only look 60. But nonetheless, I look at these people who are doing this and I think, wow, like if I could rewind everything and just live as live as free as possible while still creating an income that is the way to go i mean i i find a lot of jealousy in that to be honest i i think it depends on your idea of freedom dave i'll have to tell you because i have clients that are living that life right now and i'm telling you that we as humans because we are so used to living in compartmentalized ways of looking at things we tend to always find little uh gilded cages one way or another so you know true freedom really is the ability to transcend that desire that need i think that when a human really truly transcends that 
that need for external supply of any kind, that is when the human is actually truly free. Because before that, the human will always find a way to create a beautiful cage. People, people have, even when they're traveling, you know, they, they, they always find something excuse me, um, to create a, a sense of dissatisfaction, uh, a sense of comparison to someone else. You know, they're traveling the world, but, you know, hey, they miss having a safety and security of a home or, or, or a town, a community. You know, so as I, it's like grass is always greener. We have this mentality that we want to look on the other side to see the pastures uh, ahead that are more beautiful. So I think in this case, and, and something that's really important for us at this time is for us to understand what we need and why we need it and to begin to work on building and cultivating an every moment practice that allows us to create Intimacy with ourselves, um, intimate uh, being aware of our emotions, our needs, our desires, and working very proactively on a daily basis from the moment that you wake up until the moment you go to sleep, whether you're partnered, not partnered, employed, not employed, whatever you're doing, to begin to meet those carefully. And it's going to be free. It's not going to be something that you're, you're going to discover at the root of all the things that you want externally. There are emotions. Those emotions are actually what fuel these external desires. And I, I also want to kind of segue into another topic that's really, really profound. And it's really one that I'm really huge on when it comes to high level partnerships, conscious relationships, which is looking at uh, sex from a completely different perspective, more of a union of alchemy, more of a union of conscious co-creation. Because sexual energy is actually one of the most potent creative life forces that the human has available to them. And actually, there's an entire, there, I mean, we could talk about that for an hours. And I just recently did a challenge on my channel called the Alchemical Transformation Challenge, where I we, we touch a kind of surface level on inner alchemy and external alchemy as well. So what does it mean to have a high conscious relation partnership means that when we are in sexual union, that both individuals are, are cultivating and working on becoming their own whole self, the balancing of their own feminine masculine, which inherently in these two expressions is all needs and desires from both sides from that masculine and feminine need and aspect. And when, when each individual integrates those, they can become a whole. And that kind of relationship is, is a given exchange that is super conscious, it's aware, it's balanced, and it's focused on creating harmony internally and externally. And what that looks like essentially sexually is that when that union comes into play, it's no longer just about pleasure, but actually cultivating a really, really intense, um, let's say, uh, full body orgasm with the self, but also with the universe. It's a, it's a union uh, of higher consciousness in which the human begins to activate higher faculties, your intuition, you know, uh, abilities to remote view, telepathic communication with a partner. These things can actually be cultivated through our field 
uh, with someone that we are interacting with on a high level. So this is kind of something that I really uh, I think is important for every human to educate themselves on in order to have a fulfilling sexual life, a productive sexual life, both um, in a relationship for the pleasure of it, if you know you you want to heighten that ability, but also for procreation, because when we create children, just randomly without intention it creates a lot of suffering in many different ways so i think it's also a call having this conversation of unconditional love to begin to understand the cause and effect of love and the lack of love um, true love is intentional it is clear clarity and it's it's unconditional in that it's completely aware of itself and the other and that's kind of like another way of operating but what if you love more than one person? Yeah, you can. But I, I think uh, the question is, what is the definition of love that is being used here in this example? You know, I think that that that's the question. Um, and for a lot of people, we have we, we need to sit and have that conversation because love means different things. If you didn't have a lot of love in your life growing up, as, as an adult, you know, uh, the way that you expect love from another is going to be completely different from someone that did have love. And then there's other families that that have a smothering kind of, of love, you know, a lack of boundaries, like totally like intrusive. And then they call that love, for example. So there's. Yeah, yeah go ahead. I guess what I'm saying, though, is when it comes to love, I mean. I'm 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 not a f- uh, let me let me phrase it this way. I think there's a lot of people out there who don't believe in monogamy. Okay, and it's not that they want to sow their royal oats all over the place or rack up a bunch of numbers. It's not about that. But, you know, I you see a lot more younger people today getting into polyamory getting into, you know, I don't want to say a fetish lifestyle because I don't think it is, but you, you see a lot of younger people, especially, you know, saying, look, I can have my cake and I can eat it too. And I can still be happy in this co-union with two, three people, right? And how does that affect the spiritual aspect of everything when you want to show more love for more people? Right, exactly. So um, that's a really great question because right now we have a lot of these polyamorous and open relationships. And, um, you know, I mean, here, here's the thing. I think our concept of sex is, is kind of created a lot by uh, the inversion of truth for a really long time. I mean, we can go all the way back to Mesopotamia in the beginning of our human race and the way that's evolved historically and the moment in which religions were most put into our culture, um, into the state as a way of creating systems, family systems, organizing families and societies. And a lot of that socialization and social engineering really stresses the concept of marriage as a lifelong union. And anything outside of that is something that's sinful. 
So, um, you know, when you start really questioning these systems and why that was, I mean, a lot of these concepts of marriages were really more about transactions. It was more about financial exchanges in olden days in order to secure something, you know, financial stability for a family or to hold a name um, or, you know, or, or whatever their political transactions were. Now we're not in that world anymore, you know. However, we still utilize marriage as a transaction. In the reality, uh, the divine feminine is uh, the female are looking for security still. We, we're still kind of sobering up from that perception and those belief systems. So as we move away from that into something different, we're kind of going through kind of a rebirth of understanding what does it mean to have a conscious relationship um, do marriages actually work? I mean, you can look at the divorce rates, in, you know, internationally. Obviously, um, marriage doesn't really work. And then the other side of that is a lot of abusive relationships that, that okay, you don't divorce, but you sustain really abusive relationships on the other side of that. Um, in order to not get divorced or just really... Businesses need to think beyond today. That's why ADP uses data-driven insights to design HR solutions to help your business find more success tomorrow. HR, time, talent, benefits, payroll. ADP, always designing for people. 92% of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. 92% because of a bike? Not just bikes. We also make treadmills and rowers. Oh, let me guess, for elite athletes only, right? Nope. It doesn't matter if you're an avid exerciser or new to working out. Peloton can help you achieve your fitness goals. 92% stick with it. So can you. Try Peloton bikes, tread or row, risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only. Not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Unhappy unions. So where do we draw the line? And I think that we need to get really real about why marriage was created in the first place and decide whether we agree with that. Organically, a human individual, we are designed to evolve. And when we are not evolving, when we are not progressing spiritually, emotionally, mentally, physically, we die. We essentially die because the human organism that isn't cultivating a, a spin of its own vortex in a state of neutrality, zero point, unconditional love uh, within itself uh, begins to stagnate, stall, create illnesses, pain, suffering, and essentially death. So th these are the dynamics and the mechanisms of the human organism. So if you're on that path in your relationship and you end up sick, ill as a result of suffering, you know, why would you continue to create that kind of pattern? Again, these are patterns. We talked about the social structures, but in our DNA, in our holographic DNA, what we are inheriting are those traumatic programs that we play out in our relationships. And we find the abusive dad, we find the abusive great-great-grandpa grand, um, um, as a female and as a, a male as well. Okay, so we, we find these dynamics and we keep repeating those patterns. So the, the question and the invitation to humanity is to wake up consciousness, to break those karmic unconscious patterns of behavior in order to no longer repeat them. That's number one. So if you break them, the relationships that you're in are going to be more raw, more real. And those relationships will not necessarily be together. You know, separating from someone 
will be natural, something that needs to happen if the other partner is not in alignment with you. Okay. And a human that is fully cultivating their spiritual awareness is not really seeking sexual satisfaction. That's, that's the thing that a lot of people don't really understand yet. And it's difficult for us to accept, but the need for sexual satisfaction um, is part of the animal part of our primal part of ourselves, but we go beyond that. And what is beyond that is the lack of love. When humans do not feel loved, accepted unconditionally, it expresses in severe sexual need in many different ways. And so we want to have more than one partner um, all the time. So this is biochemically, psychologically, what happens to the human. Um, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with you if you want to have partner, any bunny partners. Um, there's just different ways to look at sexual energy. Um, in pranic alchemical training, um, in China, for example, the king had concubines. I mean, hundreds of them. And he would train with different concubines every night in order to cultivate their sexual energy. And that sexual energy, when you cultivate it, it activates your higher faculties. So I think that we're getting to a point with all this information available that you can now choose. How are you using and cultivating your sexual energy? Are you just depleting it in like really, you know, quick pleasure, you know? Um, or are you using that in a productive way, whether you have one partner, two partners, you know, how are you using that? So I think, I think it's more about educating and the individual looking at how they want to apply um, this very powerful tool that is available within the body. So I'll ask you point blank, because after hearing what you were saying there, it, it makes me want to ask this. Is monogamy then a facade that's something that humanity should not be, or us as humans should not be trapping ourselves within. I actually, I, I do believe so. I do believe that um, because we are natural, organic organisms that follow the laws of nature, which are cause and effect, which are regenerative, which are cycles of life and death. We are always going through cycles of life and death. Parts of us die, parts of us are born, parts of us expand. And it's difficult to expect another human to really be able to be a match to that. It can happen. It absolutely can, has, and does happen. You know, there are partners that they're conscious enough to unite and work close together throughout their entire life. People are married for 50 years. My own parents are still together, um, you know, and very conscious in their relationship. So, you know, there are these examples, but it, it, I think it requires conscious awareness and agreement and intentional union, you know. What about guilt? Because more so, you see a lot more women saying, you know, I would love to, but I, I just feel guilty. I feel guilty. And, and you know, whereas I think from a man's standpoint, part, pardon me if it sounds uh, grandized, I'm not saying women aren't like this either. But I think from a man's standpoint, they're kind of like, well, this for me, I'm, I'm celebrating myself because I love myself. And we kind of go from there. Men don't seem to have as much guilt as women do. 
Is that true, though? Do you really think that's true? Yes. 100%. I don't know if that's true. <laughs> Just simply because of the clients that I work with. Okay, I, I do work with a lot of men. And guilt is, is, a, is a tricky thing. Um, because it might not be necessarily about the partner you're dealing with. It might be guilt towards yourself or shame about yourself, your own, your own, your own being. Um, but aside from that, okay, guilt is at the root of human self-destruction. Really, it's one of the, the, the lowest vibrational frequencies that a human can hold in the body. And what happens is that it paralyzes all parts of our system for manifestation, for abundance, for love. And it, it is really confusing and, and damaging to the human. So this is something that has to be addressed. And how you address guilt is to understand, first of all, what are what what is the shame? Where is the root of the shame that you embody? Because guilt, we feel shameful for parts of ourselves that are usually are all everything. Every part of you is natural because it's cause and effect. Because everything you are is a result of something that triggered that. Whether it's abuse that you took on, parts that you rejected of yourself, everything is cause and effect. So we have to mature enough to be able to see truth. This is the thing about unconditional love. Unconditional love is truth in its raw form. That means even the most uncomfortable parts of yourself that you hate, that you judge, that you reject, that you think are even disgusting, that you begin to work with those emotions that you feel when you witness the, these parts of yourself. And this was one of the most powerful parts of my spiritual journey, sitting with those parts and working with myself and my emotions, all the uncomfortable emotions that come up when I begin to see those shameful, guilt, guilty parts, things that I've done that I wasn't proud of, and begin to hold space for myself. You will see how incredibly powerful that is. And when you do that work, oh, God, Dave. Well, I'm just going to say, hold that thought, because we are going to go to break here. At the bottom of the hour, we have Geraldine Roscoe's Valentine's version of the spiritual you. All about love tonight. GeraldineRoscoe.com is her website. We'll be back with more Spaced Out Radio with the second of the show next. All right, we're clear. No, I did not time Deb out. Deb timed herself out because she said she was going to after she admitted to watching certain kinds of movies. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, random guy, you need your own OnlyFans. Mm-hmm. You've got everybody uh, wound up tonight. This is awesome. Okay, good. Hopefully in a good way. Yes. I think a lot of people are going to be playing Barry White after this show. And it's all your fault. All your fault. Just go do our chemical mastery challenge on my website after this instead. <laughs> and you guys will be okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. 
How are you, Geraldine? Where are we going for dinner? I'm great. Oh, when you come, huh? Um, yeah, I don't know. We got to pick a place, I guess. You know, we got to we got to figure that out. Yes. Yeah, March is March is next month, huh? Yeah, I guess yeah. it's pretty fast. So you're gonna have to steal me because that's kind of your territory, not mine. All right, I'll think of a place. Yeah. Last time you didn't. I don't think you liked it that much. Was I really love that, that place. Was I, it good? Was it I, good? I, I would totally go back there if you want to go back there. We could totally No, no, there's there. there's better places. There's much better places. We'll find I, something the else. The chicken was fantastic. <laughs> I just felt bad because I was the one uh, ordering drinks and you were all nice and sober because you don't drink. That's right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Wherever you want to go. Businesses need to think beyond today. That's why ADP uses data-driven insights to design HR solutions to help your business find more success tomorrow. HR, time, talent, benefits, payroll. ADP, always designing for people. Progressive presents Adjusting to the Suburbs. I never really thought about tools until I bought a house in the suburbs. It's like this weird homeowner test if I need a tool for a project and don't have it. And my neighbor Ted loves to give me that look when I ask to brawl a pole saw. A year ago, I didn't even know pole saws existed. And now I gotta borrow one from Ted? What is happening? Anyway, when you save with Progressive by bundling your home and auto, that's the easy part of adjusting to the suburbs. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company coverage provided in service by affiliates and third-party insurers. Call. We'll find a place. Oh, Paul Holland, I could do Barry White fantastic. My darling, I can't get enough of your love, babe. There we go. There's a little taste of it right there. There you go. Uh, Christine, you can also, I know you're Southern California. Meet us in Vegas because Geraldine and I will both be in Vegas for the fan party. At least I'm committed to it. Geraldine, we're not sure yet, but I think she'll show up because she loves me. She really, really loves me. Yeah, you know, last time with these, uh, with the testing, was they were so adamant about that. It was so oh, yeah. ridiculous to try to get um, from where I was at the time to, to Vegas. So I don't think we're going to have that problem this Not year. Not going to have that. <laughs> yes, Geraldine has been to Canada. She has experienced Whistler. Yes. Beautiful, beautiful place. I'm still pissed off I didn't come meet you down there. Yeah. But that's okay. Next time. Yeah. You know, this summer, I'd like to go to Banff. Didn't you say, you are want, you kind of close Banff to Banff is nice. Banff is yeah. nice. If you go to it's Banff, nice to I'm meeting you in Banff. I will, okay, meet, I will meet you in Banff. And then we'll go look, for, then we'll go look for the Sasquatch. But one, totally. thing, one thing about Banff, you got to be careful. This, this is a true story. Mm-hmm. You got to, at that, depending on the time of year you go, you have to watch out for the horny elk. The horny elk. Yeah, because okay. they they absolutely take over the golf courses, and they take over uh, all the the roads and the driving areas. And these are like fourteen, fifteen hundred pound animals. They're big. Yeah, those are huge. <clears throat> yeah. So and they are all over the place. So uh, they don't care when they're in into their rut and they're looking good and they've done their makeup and they're all uh, on the prowl. You got to watch out and grizzly bears too. Lots of grizzly Interesting. Yeah. Wow. So if you go walking around the trails there, make sure you have anything to make noise. 
Meat noise. Okay. Well, I'm sure they sell those little. Oh yeah. Oh little yeah. Little repeller things. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, that'll be really fun. I have um. Yeah, I'll let you know when I go. It's sometime this summer for sure. Let me know. I'm racing out. No, I might even want to do a little retreat out there. It would be so nice to do a retreat, a little couple-day retreat. I'm there. So you've been there, right, Dave? I haven't been to Banff in like 30 years, but it's like still gorgeous. It's still gorgeous. I would do it in a heartbeat. Yeah. 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 It's about an eight-hour drive from where I am. Because I gotta go. Oh, really? Yeah, I don't have a direct highway. I gotta go like through all the mountains and shit like that. Oh, interesting. So. Is it easier for you to fly there no. to Calgary? No, I'd want that drive. That's a gorgeous drive. Must be amazing. Oh yeah. 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 All right, my dear. Here we go. Ten seconds. Thank mm-hmm. you to our super chatters. Check the ticker below for Vegas. And here we go, everyone. We pass the halfway point of Spaced Out Radio tonight. Good to have you with us. My name is Dave Scott. Very much appreciate earning your listening ears wherever you are on this beautiful planet we call Earth. Hi to everyone listening in on our terrestrial affiliates. And, of course, you can check out all of our archives for free on YouTube, Spotify, Apple iTunes, and any major podcast network. Because, hey, we distribute. Yes, we do. We distribute this show. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read the news wire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. Here we go. Final half hour with Geraldina Rosgo and the Spiritual You. Her website, GeraldinaRosgo.com. We are going to get into some audience questions here, Geraldine you don't mind yeah and we're gonna start out with jason can you still have desire while holding space amazing question um yes um okay so yeah so desires in reality the answer is no okay um, and the reason why is because as you know the dynamics of attraction and energy of things as through biochemical, bioelectrical systems, if you have a certain charge that's really strong, it's a strong magnetism that wants to attract something specific, um, you're going to attract that specific. And if the individual that you're with cannot provide that for you, it will always cause friction, okay? So desires are are kind of tricky in that way. Um, I think that underneath desires are needs, That's why I strongly advise to get to know what your needs are and meet them. And whatever, whatever needs, I I guarantee you'll be able to meet all of your needs, um, the core root needs emotionally, but anything else externally can be something that can be communicated with, with a partner. Okay. So more than desires, because desires are more for the ego, the individual desires. 
the ego desires. The need is something a little different. The need in this case, it's still a desire, but at the root of that um, is something that is required in order to maintain balance. And this is a conscious need. Okay, the conscious need, not from the ego, is something that you're looking to build in order to create a homeostasis internally and within that union, especially in relationships. The idea is what do we need in order to maintain balance and harmony in a, in a relationship? So this is where I would have those communications in a partnership. Um, but holding space should always be neutral. It's always that you are your own vortex spinning really fast, holding space. And as you hold space, you will intuitively meet the needs of the other person because you are in tune with your own needs. Um, and usually relationships that are held at that level, um, they, you know, they just bounce off each other. It's not something that even needs to be communicated, essentially, at some point. Okay. So, yeah. Excellent. Let's go over to Mark, who is asking, interesting statistic I read a few days ago, 92% of all open marriages lead to divorce. What are your thoughts on open marriages? Yes, I do work with several clients that, that have experienced both ends of this, open marriages. Um, you know, it's a very interesting dynamic, but in my opinion, energetically, um, I mean, we can look at the model of our ideas of partnerships in a union that is cultivating love, uh, cultivating this intimacy together in order to add another individual into that because we live in a dualistic expression. Um, it will always be very chaotic energetically. And I mean, it, the reason why uh, in, in these Taoist alchemical practices, uh, you know, you train with several partners is because supposedly the the male is supposed to cultivate so much life force that they have to be able to hold space and they can hold that unconditional love, you know, without boundaries for the partners and vice versa, the female for the male. But at the core root of this, it's really about creating a union between two. That's the duality. The dualistic expression of this universe is the integration of those two. When you integrate those two, you don't even need the other. It becomes uh, unification with the universe. So when, when you apply this concept of the laws of the universe to concepts like open, open marriage, most of the desire behind these are to fulfill the egoic part and very unfulfilled uh, trauma. Uh, traumas of abandonment, fears. Most of the marriages that I work with uh, at the root of these open mar uh, marriages are that they're afraid of abandonment, one or the other person, or they're afraid of intimacy. It's really funny how, you know, we're afraid of intimacy and yet we want to have so many partners um, in order to avoid an actual real connection or the fear of rejection of those intimate connections. Most people are afraid of being seen for what they really are and afraid of not of those parts not being accepted. So these are the parts that we need to do some work on. And then, you know, if you do all those parts and you're able to come into your full integration and you still want to have an open marriage, um, chances are that it won't end up in, in a way that's imbalanced. Okay, so 
Work on yourself and your shadow first, and then see. Come into relationships consciously, whatever they are, open or with one partner. Gotcha. All right, let's move on to another question. This one from Alexander, who's asking, can you do a class on alchemical intimacy and sex? Yeah, I've actually, I am planning on putting that together a little bit later this year. And I have another uh, instructor, a male instructor that will be teaching as well to help have both sides of the instruction. Um, And it will be, you know, a more private kind of course, not something public that I'm teaching on my YouTube. But the challenge that I have on the YouTube is kind of like the beginner. And then this next challenge will be like a more advanced. So yes, Alexander, great to see you. We will have that soon. All right. So as we move on, we're done with questions for the time being here. Uh, I, I want to ask you regarding, the, you know, the personal feeling of intimacy and the way that we should treat it. Because, you know, for a lot of people, they lose that over time with the same partner. Uh, maybe you have children and And, you know, one of the things when you have children is your sex life is usually one of the first things to suffer. And that may take years to to regain, if at all. You know, so how does one continue to find intimacy with someone when everyday struggles are real for a lot of couples? So, but you're really talking about sex, yeah? Not, not really intimacy, no, right? Because those are two different in- things. No, I, I mean intimacy. Okay, yeah. Yeah, so intimacy. So if, if it's difficult to have that intimacy after children are born, it really unfortunately means that we never really had it. Um, you know, and I mean deeply, deeply had it. You know, there are surface level ways of having kind of intimacy, but real intimacy is something that has to be cultivated in a partnership. And that's why... Um, having something like a really good friend is always a really great foundation for a good relationship because as friends, you get to put off those masks, the performative masks that people put in order to avoid rejection or to protect themselves. And the true self kind of comes out. So that's where actually you can begin to have a true connection with someone. Uh, Most relationships are based on a lot of facades, a lot of fake, a lot of lies, a lot of, uh, you know, just masks that people wear. You know, even even women, you know, we wear makeup, we look certain ways, but we don't we don't express our true self actually to a partner. So all of these masks have to be removed in order to really be able to build intimacy with someone so that you uh, can accept all of your flaws in such a profound way and be able to show up to a partnership with those flaws and be able to assess whether, because what happens is that the flaws that you have and the feelings and, and the shame, guilt, emotions that you have towards those flaws, they're going to become really strong triggers in your relationship. Because again, remember that we unite by resonance. So the partners that we attract usually have similar flaws, usually have the same kind of root emotional uh, turmoil underneath those. So it becomes a magnet. So the sooner we can uncover that, this should be part of our dating protocol, is to get to know what are those little masks that we wear, what are the our deepest shames, guilt, and deep emotions that cause suffering, and heal them. You can heal them individually. And then when you come together, you're going to be healing them, um, uh, you know, together in, in a union, interactively. But 
this is how one builds the intimacy. And what, what happens is that you build truth together. You begin to create a union. You be, there are two holes that come together to become one whole. Um, and these two holes are able to hold space in truth. This is the kind of relationship that will always have intimacy because they are okay with their own internal intimate uh, uh, relationship. I had a question for you, and it's totally, totally gone here. Let's go to Pixie Lara, though. Geraldine, what are your thoughts on age and age differences between couples? I personally don't think it matters much if a connection is strong. This is a great question. Um, yes, it's true. And I think um, there's a couple things. There's certain patterns that we inherit as well. And these patterns for the kinds of attractions that we have are something that's inherited generationally. So, for example, a lot of women, and I, I see this a lot in our culture, uh, women are looking for older men um, and older men looking for younger women. Um, but also we see that, you know, older women are looking for, for younger men as well. So what's that dynamic that's playing out? Unfortunately, a lot of these dynamics are rooted in a lot of issues that have to do with the parental manifestations of the feminine and masculine. Okay. Usually men will seek younger women, um, for many reasons, but the root cause of those are usually um, insecurity, fears, doubts, and the ability to hold space. Okay, um, and vice versa, women will find a young partner in order to have control, uh, in order to be able to uh, not feel rejected, and to not be in states of fear. Okay, so what are we learning by looking at these examples is that they are the inversions of the feminine and masculine. They are usually expressions of wounded feminine and masculine traits. And when you study those, you can look online right now for a chart that says feminine masculine traits. And it's going to show you the wounded aspects and it'll show you the healthy aspects. A lot of these dynamics are things that we learn in childhood. So, for example, if we had an overpowering mother, uh, usually the son will seek out a mother, uh, a mother figure in the partner because he they they have learned to become to be a good son essentially, and they will they will seek that out. And it's the same with them with a girl, with a woman and a man. She will seek out the father figure. Okay, so when these dynamics are occurring. Usually they will they will end up in an imbalance sooner or later, or they will find some kind of balance in that kind of disharmony. Okay, so it's it's okay as long as both individuals understand the role that they play and the expectations that both partners have of each other. Unfortunately, most people are not, you know, doing the inner work in order to really know themselves and why they come into those relationships to begin with. So, of course, it ends up in chaos and uh, broken expectations, broken hearts, all of these things and, and unhealthy dynamics. So, you know, it's a it's a really loaded question, paranormal pixie, Laura, because there's a lot of also psychological 
uh, traits and the psychological disorders that you also have to consider when you're looking at these relationship patterns. But I will say one thing is that for certain, these are inherited traits and patterns. And what we want to question as conscious beings is, are those patterns, if I continue that pattern, is it something that's in alignment with my highest evolution? And if it isn't, then you got to change it. You got to break that pattern and find something different. Let's go to Eric. What are the differences between intimacy, affection, and love? So intimacy, as I mentioned, is essentially the ability to be your rawest form internally first with yourself. You're able to see your shadows completely and you accept them. This is how you can be intimate with yourself and even begin to be intimate with another. You have to do that work, okay? And that that affects your sex life, everything, okay? Affection is the expression of love. The, The expression that usually is rooted in a sense of nourishment, nurturing. Can you be nurturing? It doesn't matter if you're what sex you are. Are you able to be nurturing to yourself and also to another person, okay? Love is essentially the ability to come into absolute acceptance of your whole self and be able to accept all things as a part of yourself, okay? So that is actually what love is. And we we really want to try to cultivate that level of love. It's not romantic love. It's not transactional exchange. All modern relationships based on Disney and the, the industry, entertainment industry, are transactional exchanges that have nothing to do with love. Nothing. Those examples have nothing to do with love. Uh, love is the ability to be absolutely truth and acceptance, uh, accepting yourself as a whole. In other words, Eric, before you buy or lease, take the car on a test drive to make sure that all the parts fit and you feel comfortable in the driver's seat. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. <laughs> I I would say read your instruction manual, user manual of yourself first, and then read the manual of the other person and see if, you know, that's a good buy. And take it for a test drive. Always go for a test drive. Uh, Let's see. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) I'm going to be honest with you. I did not expect tonight's show to be like this. Tonight's show. (laughs) Bad Geraldine, bad Geraldine. Yeah. What do you, this is good. We need to talk about this. Oh, this of is course. good. <laughs> All right. Let me ask you. Let me ask you this then. Okay. Let's say uh, uh, you know because it wouldn't be a show with you if we didn't get into a little bit of aliens here. Sure. L- let's yeah. say you live in New York, or let's say yeah, some your a friend or somebody you've never met maybe except online, lives in New York. You're in San Francisco or British Columbia, wherever, and yet both of you are taken on the craft. And up on the craft, you have intimate encounters because, let's face it, the aliens are perverts. They are, you know, wanting to watch all that stuff. Okay, is it right for you to... to Membership fees apply after free trial. Cancel any time. Can I be real for a second? That goal you have to exercise and eat better, you really can do it. But nobody is going to do it for you. 
And nobody has to, because you can do it if you have the right tools and a community that cares about helping you get results. And that's us, Beachbody. It's as convenient as your TV or laptop, but you need to decide that you're worth it. Let us help you succeed. Here's how. Go to Beachbody.com to claim your free membership and start feeling great. By now, you know that sound. It's the sound of the Home Depot. But what about those sounds? Those are the sounds of a new Frigidaire kitchen suite, complete with the latest technology to keep food fresh, dishes clean, and cooking needs met for all families. Making this the sound of savings on top brand appliances. The Home Depot, how doers get more done. Get up to 25% off select appliances, including Frigidaire, right now. Offer valid February 9th through March 1st, 2023, US only, see store online for details. Take those feelings of intimacy that you had on craft and project it into the human level. Um, no, and this we're going to have to do a quick uh, review of what it is, what this means actually to be uh, con- contacted. For those of you that have had um, uh, sexual encounters with interdimensional beings, um, this is it's a very profound topic. But let me uh, get to the question. Is it okay to take those emotions and project it into waking state, right? Like actual, yeah. Because here's why. For an audience that doesn't really understand this question, because they don't understand the back end, there are, uh, in the hybridization program, uh, individuals are united and uh, induced to have intercourse in order to create uh orga- organisms so hybrid hybrid children okay and the way that they're selected for the program is based on their dna okay so it runs in families and it it literally is tracing the genetic ancestral lineage from their conception of life on this planet from mesopotamia essentially all of that history is what is utilized to select the next partner that will breed to create this living organism, the next hybrid. So what does that mean? Um, Unfortunately, a lot of the emotional exchanges that are occurring in these encounters are actually, um, they're induced. Um, And in some cases, um, they they are induced and fabricated from the agreement of each individual, okay? Each individual agrees to partner with this other individual in order to create a hybrid child. And these agreements are done in alternate lifetimes, alternate simultaneous lifetimes. The purpose of those agreements can be can vary. Some of them are in order to unite the two DNA lines and create a really high vibration future um, evolution hybrid. And they, or it could be a very uh, low vibration entity. Okay, so those hybrid programs depend. So that being said, um, the agreements that happen interdimensionally, not in the physical body, are usually very specific for the creation of these of these life forces. And I guess the question would have to be the follow up question would be, um, what is the kind of agreement that these two individuals have? If there is a love union be- between them that transcends this lifetime, because a lot of times they unite and agree to that because they have many lifetimes together simultaneously and they're existing in those simultaneous timelines together so it's not like something new it's just it's something that exists um so if you feel that emotion in the waking state 
let's say you go to a support group and you meet the person you've interacted with on board craft, which happens a lot in support groups from people around the world that have never met before. They meet each other and they're like, I've seen you on craft. I've been with you. I've connected with you. It doesn't have to be always sexual, but they will have a recognition. So those are contractual agreements that are ancestral and, you know, they're very powerful and they have specific journeys together, you know? So, you know, when you, when you do have those experiences, I guess the question is, what's your agreement? What are you here to do? You got some work to do here on earth together, um, you know, or are, is it just this interdimensional agreement that you have? Makes sense. So it's all on a personal level of whether the two feel connected on this side or not. Yeah, and usually they are. Usually they are anyway. They are. They right. they have a very profound connection in most cases that I've seen. And if they've never met before, they click immediately. So that's usually what I, what I see. We have 90 seconds to go with you tonight, Geraldine. And I want to say a big thank you for you coming on yeah. Spaced Out thank Radio you. again tonight. We'll talk to you early next month as well. Do us all a favor. Tell everybody where they can find your information and how they could get uh, their DNA reprogrammed by you. Yeah, thank you so much. If you want to work with me, um, I am a uh, my psychic abilities were activated through my contact experience, and I work with something called epigenetic psychotherapy and hypnotherapy. So you can connect with me at GeraldineRosco.com. You can also check out my YouTube channel. I have a lot of free content on there, um, and please do subscribe and share if you check it out. Um, I'll be at really great events this year, so please do register for those events, Biomed Expo and also Portal to Ascension in April. I'm really excited about that. It's in San Diego, um, so please come meet me, come connect with me, and, and come hang out at the conferences. So thank you so much, Dave, for having me. It is always a pleasure to have the lovely and talented Geraldine Orozco here for The Spiritual You. We've been doing this for almost seven years and we're just going to continue on because, well, she likes coming on this show. I kind of like her on the show. You all like her on the show. I could tell by the comments that we get. And it just makes for great radio and YouTube. Coming up next on Spaced Out Radio, we're going to head to the swamp. Our resident swamp dweller will take us on another spooky journey. And then the man, the myth, the beastly legend, Super Duke. From World Bigfoot Radio joins us for an elongated cryptid report. We got lots of great radio coming at you right here on the mighty SOR. Stay tuned for hour number three. Excellent show. Excellent show. Thank you, my dear. Awesome. I had fun. Thank you so much, Dave. I hope you have an amazing month, and I'll see you next month. Absolutely. And then after that, it's just a couple of weeks before we're hanging out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this month will go by fast. All right, my dear. You take care. All okay? right, love. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Much love. All right, Geraldine. There she goes. Forrest Louie, thank you for another super chat, my man. Where'd it go? I just saw the damn thing. There it is. All right, I'll be right back. You guys uh, see if my chair moves. Make sure El Avni Volador doesn't get in here. Jerk.
Well, everybody's hormones calm down now. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <clears throat> Reminder, UFOCon 2023, I will be in San Francisco on March 17th through 19th. I'd love to see you all there. Uh, people like Science Bob are going to be there, Melinda Leslie, Sev Talk, and many, many others for a great lineup. Go get your tickets at UFOCon2023.com. And remember, we want to see all of you guys in Las Vegas for our second annual fan party. If you are saying you're going on our on our Facebook event page, we need you to contact info at spacedoutradio.com, info at spacedoutradio.com and connect and let us know whether you want regular tickets or VIP tickets. We need to know by April 1st how many VIP packages are going to be out there. So make sure you go and check them on out. And uh, we definitely want you there to hang out with us. It's going to be a great party. we got our live YouTube channel. We're going to have an experiencers get together. We're going to have a poker game. We're going to have a night uh, sky watch. we got a lot of good stuff. If you're a VIP, we got a special uh, get-together for you on the Friday night. Lots of good stuff coming. So make sure you check the ticker below, info at spacedoutradio.com. Here we go with the final hour. Would you like to connect with us? Head to spacedoutradio.com for all your latest show info. Now, back to Dave Scott and SOR. Third and final hour of Spaced Out Radio is now underway. My name is Dave Scott. Thank you so much for joining us. We really do appreciate earning your listening ears. Wherever you are on this beautiful planet we call Earth. Hello to everyone listening in on our terrestrial affiliates around North America, digitally on Odyssey Radio, TalkStream Live, and KPNL. Don't forget, you can check out our archives as well on Spotify, Apple, iTunes, and every major, major podcast network that is out there, for sure. Our website, spacedoutradio.com, we have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read the news wire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on Instagram, or on TikTok rather, at Spaced Out Radio. Hey, we forgot the Desert Clam, who set the password for tonight in the SOR Space Travelers Club. Vetamecum, Vetamecum is your password. Use it wisely, Space Travelers, as a clam sets the password each and every night, right here on Spaced Out Radio. It is that time of the night where we head to the swamp. Our resident swamp dweller takes us on another spooky journey. Hi, Spaced Out Radio listeners. This is Swamp Dweller. It's time for your nightly dose of spookiness on the show. If you have an interesting encounter or a spooky story that you would like to share, be sure to submit them in at swampdweller.net. You can also find our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash swampdwellerreads. Now, let's chill out, relax, and together, let's enter the swamp. This happened to my roommate and me two years ago when we drove into the National Forest just outside of our town. We go to a small college in New England, about three hours from any major city, 
For context, the forest has quite a few urban legends, and the local community has many superstitions about being safe while in there, although they go there very often. I had just broken up with my partner, and my roommate could sense that I was feeling down. Finals were just around the corner, so she decided to help me get my mind off things and suggested we go to a nice spot she had found last week and chill and de-stress. So we took a couple of beers and drove down to this secluded forest. Then we left the main asphalt road in the woods. I saw some things that unsettled me. You could see the abandoned houses of a ghost town from higher ground the route was on. And we saw this old doll hanging from a rope on a tree. Creepy stuff, but I didn't give a second thought about driving forward. We got to a clearing, parked our car behind some trees, popped open the back of our SUV, and started talking and playing music. Somewhere around 10 minutes into this, two cars appeared from the road and parked in the clearing as well. My friend didn't pay them any attention. Instead, she kept talking, but as I was facing them from where I sat, I couldn't stop seeing what they did. A guy popped out of each car talked for a few minutes, and then I saw them take out a long object covered in dark plastic bags from the back of one of their cars. This is when I noticed these guys had guns, not like shotguns which I often see in this town, but handguns. Then they started lighting the bag on fire. I told my friend to get down and she turned around and saw them for the first time. Black smoke was rising from the bag and between trying to keep my head down and steal glances at them. I saw them take out a second object and heard them shoot at it right before they set it on fire. I don't know how long my friend and I were lying there in silence, but it was definitely enough to let that terror sink in and whisper to each of us. I don't know how long my friend and I were actually lying there in silence, but it was definitely enough to let the terror sink in. We tried to whisper to each other how much we loved each other in case this was what we thought it was. At some point, I looked up and saw that they were pointing at our car and saw them walking into the woods, maybe trying to follow our tracks, trying to look for us. Right then, I told my friend to jump into the driver's seat and make a run for it. I shut the back door and between that and the car starting up, the guys heard it and started running towards us. They then ran towards one of their cars and hopped in. We went over a hill, driving away above what was safe for dirt roads on a hillside, and eventually we lost them. We moved to a neighboring town and roamed to ensure no one was following us before we went back to our dorm. That day, we tried to make fun of the whole situation and got drunk before finally breaking down and crying from knowing we had seen something we were not supposed to. We were terrified of telling anyone, but eventually we did tell the officers on campus who contacted the police, but we never found or heard anything again. Hey Swamp Dweller, with fall setting in and hunting season upon us in big sky country Montana, there's always something to be had. Our elk hunt started 1st of September, and with that, my family takes it seriously as we love the game and hunt along with stories and memories shared. This year was a bit different. My cousin and I were about 6 miles in our collective 9 mile hike, and we had what I would put as an encounter. But as any elk hunter would know, the terrain comes at a cost, and with this year's price, we were a little shaken up. As we were hiking through the thick brush and steep shell rock terrain, we took a quick break. We were having a late day snack and my cousin decided to let off some bugles for fun. Well, the sound that came back to us was more than off-putting. We heard what sounded like an elk bugle at the beginning, which turned into a dog-like, maybe even human-like scream. We were shocked, so my cousin decided to make another attempt at communicating and lo and behold, Right after this next bugle, the noise came again, but it was much closer. 
When you're in the thick of it and a bugle comes through, it's usually less than 100 yards away as obstruction with trees and brush distorts sound travel. So we decided to hike toward the noise as I was sure this had to be some sort of beast we've never seen before. We expected some response and wanted it. Well, we expected something else, I'd say. But as all the other levels have proven, when you're in the area of the supernatural, all ambience noise is void and you are hyper alert. We ended up hiking out with no more issues besides being shaken up and full of adrenaline and hopeful stories of us being able to spot something, but it was uneventful and fruitless. I'm not sure what we heard that day in the woods. Maybe it was just some sort of elk, but maybe it had some sort of health condition. But the way it sounded, the distortion behind its voice, and how it seemingly responded to our calls perfectly every time, it's definitely, uh, it's definitely weird. And that's why we love the Swamp Dweller around here. Takes us on a journey each and every night, Monday through Friday, to kick off hour number three of this show. If you want more Swamp Dweller stories, like many of us do, all you got to do is go to his YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash Swamp Dweller Reads. Hit subscribe, and right then and there, you can hear him for free, just like that. From the swamp to the forest of... Montana, it is time for the man, the myth, and the Sasquatch legend himself, Super Duke, from World Bigfoot Radio and the Cryptid Report. Super Duke, Super Duke, the Cryptid Report with Super Duke. That intro never gets old, man. It never, ever gets old. Oh, God, I love it. I love it. How you doing there, Super Duke? I'm just noticing we didn't really go from the swamps to the forest on this one. We went from the forest of Montana to the forest of Montana. And, uh, hey, Swampy, uh, nothing to worry about there. Those elk hunters, it was probably just a Sasquatch. Probably. No reason to be all alarmed. Yeah, probably. probably. You never know. You never know. Oh, man. You know what? I don't know what it's like in your area, but today we had above freezing temperatures, melting all the ice and snow away, and then all of a sudden, right when it's time to go home, it started snowing. <laughs> no, actually, our temperatures are staying warm enough that, uh, what has it been? In the, it's been in the low 40s for like three days now, oh. so a lot of our snow melted. At Progressive, we know there's nothing like the feeling of riding a motorcycle with your crew on the open road. That symphony of engines roaring in perfect harmony. It's a feeling that would be impossible to recreate on the radio. Until now. Hit it, Jerry. Oh, my word. Really, really terrible. Is that a glockenspiel, Jerry? Quote with Progressive and see if you could save with America's number one motorcycle insurer. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Uh, Now, Jerry, it's over. Progressive presents Adjusting to the Suburbs. You used to associate crickets with silence. But since you bought a house in the suburbs, you know crickets hate silence. If any other creature realized rubbing its legs together made a piercing high-pitched noise, they might think, maybe I won't do that. Constantly. All night long. Luckily, you can save with Progressive by bundling your home and auto. Now that's something to make noise about. Just not constantly. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company coverage provided in service by affiliates and third-party insurers. And right now it's raining. So that's getting rid of more snow, even though it's, you know, 
after midnight here. It's it's raining. I hear you. <laughs> in there. February. I in the Rockies. You. Yeah. What the hell? <laughs> what the heck is going on here? <laughs> yeah. Seriously. Makes no sense. What is going on? I don't get it. I don't get it. But I you don't, know I don't get I don't get it either. Uh we need to uh I have Robin trying to contact somebody on your staff here to get set up to have a little panel discussion as we talked about earlier with me and her and anybody else if you think it's appropriate to discuss the uh, <clears throat> government hiding evidence of Bigfoot and why they're doing that. Uh, I think she tried to send a message to Eric, not sure. But anyway, for all of you who missed the uh, Sunday show, it was incredibly awesome, and I had Spaced Out Radio's own Danielle Diva on there, and we were talking about the historical Dracula, and it was um, scary and very interesting um, with lots of sarcastic comments in the captions. So excellent. If you missed it, you might want to go watch that one. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, we, we love it. And, uh, you know, your show on world Bigfoot radio encapsulates some of the strangest and yet most awesome cases of Bigfoot sightings and interactions that, uh, you have, uh, ever heard of. You know, whether it's in the Pacific Northwest, whether it's right across the United States or in the northern reaches of Canada. I mean, this creature literally is everywhere, Duke. And, you know, just because you may not have the biggest of forests around doesn't mean that the old Sasquatch isn't around hiding. Yeah, that's absolutely the truth. They can show up just about anywhere. They travel around too, you know. So just because you live in some area where you wouldn't think it would be possible for them to be around doesn't necessarily mean you're not ever going to run into one. Uh, you know, a lot of areas that aren't really uh, amenable to having them live there full time are still areas that they'll travel through to get from one spot to another that they want to go to. And there's some, you know, like Kelly Shaw has actually noticed a couple spots that he's pretty much convinced absolutely are travel corridors because he's gotten three or four, maybe five reports out of the same area. And you go and look at it on a map and it's like, well, they're not living there. <laughs> you know, there's no food sources or water or anything, but there's one really big one over here and there's one really big one over there. And here's a strip of land in between. Okay. And in one of these cases, there's a road there, which is where they keep getting spotted all the time crossing this road. Amazing. Amazing. We're, we are at that time of year where many of us need to start looking around and we need to start keeping our eyes open as, you know, the winter connect, uh, conditions start to turn over to spring. It's, you know, and let's face it, about half the U.S. is in those almost spring-like conditions where the snow is melting and and the ice is going away. What should people starting the year off be looking for regarding this creature? Well, if you're down in the southern U.S., they're actually moving around this time of the year. This is really when their spring starts, and they start moving around quite a bit. And, of course, that goes north as the year progresses. When you get up into, like, April, May, uh, up here by the border, they're moving around more and whatnot. During the winter, it doesn't seem like they move around very much. And during the midsummer, they sort of got a little range that they're kind of sitting put in for the most part. But during the spring and the fall is a good place, is a good time to go look for them because they do a lot more moving around than, uh, than they do in other part, times of the year. And also down in the south especially, they like to take advantage of this time of the year because it's a, 
you know, always warm enough to down there to get out and do the research. But this time of the year, there isn't tons of bugs. And that makes a big difference when you're trying to get audio captures. If you don't have a billion bugs in the background making a racket while you're doing it. Jerks. Jerks. I know. Damn bugs. That's why I live here in Montana. We don't have any. We banned those things. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's one thing I hate about between spring and fall is bug season. Yeah. Oh. Fortunately, being here in the mountains and there's very few level places where water can pool, we don't have much of a mosquito problem. Unless you happen to be right next to a river or a little swamp or something, there basically aren't any. <laughs> so after the, the spring melt-off happens, you got about two weeks of mosquitoes and tick season, and then it's pretty much over. Makes a lot of sense. All right, what do you got for us in the cryptid report tonight, my friend? Give us a good well, story. Oh, we got lots of good stories tonight. We're going to go right back to where we left off with military encounters with Sasquatch. And believe it or not, we've probably got enough right around the vicinity of Fort Lewis Army Base in Pierce County, Washington, to fill out the rest of the show. And, uh, yeah, I'm doing this kind of on purpose because I want to drive it home that there's been so much of this that has happened over the years that there's absolutely no way that the military down here is unaware that they exist. So here we go again, Pierce County, Washington, near Fort Lewis Army Base. Spanaway resident Billy Joe Miller and her sister saw a creature they were sure was Bigfoot. It was around late August or early September in 75. The history of sightings in and around Lewis McCord Army Base is quite plain. They said, quote, we were stopped beside the road with our family in our way back from a camping trip. We'd gone behind a tree to relieve ourselves. We started walking back to where the truck was parked, and for no reason we both stopped walking, looked at each other, and turned around. To our complete surprise, a creature was standing back the way we had just come from. It was just standing there looking at us. It was over six feet tall, all hairy and dark brown. It didn't scare us or seem threatening, but it kept looking at us. It didn't appear scared or nervous, and it wasn't trying to hide. It was simply standing there in the open. We looked at it for about a minute, and then we both turned around to walk back towards the truck to get the camera. We walked slowly so we wouldn't scare it. When we got to the truck, we grabbed the camera and turned around to take a picture. Of course, by then it was gone. We never heard a sound, and it never tried to scare us. We felt like it just wanted us to see it for some reason. And next report, U.S. Army Sierra Depot, Susanville, California. This story is a bit different than its second hand. Keith B. heard a man phone into the Art Bell radio program one night in the 90s, and the caller was a military man formerly stationed in the desert on the east side of the Sierras. The host speculated it was probably the Sierra Army Depot, which is a U.S. Army outpost located near the unincorporated city of Herlong, California, a good 55 miles northwest of Reno, Nevada, and 40 miles southeast of the town of Susanville, California. It's a high desert plain on the east side of the Great Sierra Nevada Range, elevation about 4,200 feet. The Art Bell Collar said he was involved in a training exercise in the Sierra mountainous terrain. This particular exercise, the soldiers were armed with high-powered rifles. The exercise was at night. At some point, a Bigfoot happened onto the scene during the training exercise and was shot and killed by the U.S. Army soldiers. The caller then reported that a military helicopter flew in and the Bigfoot's corpse was loaded aboard and flown off. Nobody knows to where. 
The participants in the exercise were told to deny the entire incident. According to the Bell Show, the informant was ex-military at the time of the radio show and was not thus concerned about any ill effects of his military career. It was also probable he didn't use his real name when he phoned in. For me, the point to consider is the government does know about Bigfoot and all the discrediting and ridicule heaped on witnesses needs to stop. I deal with a high number of sighting informants. It's rare that they do not think the government knows and is hiding information about these beings. I'm sure as I write this that Bigfoot bodies have been found and recovered numerous times, but the incidents kept from public knowledge. Next report, 12 miles southwest of Fort Lewis Army Base, again in Pierce County, Washington. On June 16, 2001, about 8.30 p.m., while out with uh, George Karras' group of Bigfoot enthusiasts, Fred Bradshaw, a retired Sheriff Department officer, saw a white Sasquatch and brought it to the attention of the others in the group. The visual he had was from mid-chest up to the head. He said, you're right, the white ones stand out like a lighthouse. This animal was so white it didn't even look real. Had black face, about eight feet tall from what I could see of him. Bradshaw continued, when I told them about the white Sasquatch, the crew grabbed their camcorders and ran at it. Of course, the creature ran down and off to the east. They thought they could catch up with it by the road, but it went back into the woods. The creature is about 50 feet away from the group. The area is off Highway 507 in what they call the Roy Washington area of Pierce County. There are at least four or more creatures in this area. George Karras has a map of the area on his website. While it was standing and the brush was over my head, I'm 5'11". The Sasquatch was so white it was unbelievable, but I saw it drop down hide and then it was gone. Couldn't see it anymore after it dropped down, he said. We walked into where it had been and smelled an odor like wild animal or horse. Not foul smell I've smelled before. The ground was mashed flat. No sign of hair. It appeared there were two creatures because just a little ways from that spot was another flattened area like something sitting, squatting, or laying down. No one got a photograph, but they were all dumbfounded at the sight of the thing. Another person was using a camera further down the road, but he got nothing too. Everyone was just getting set up for the evening like they do every Saturday night. I go down there during the week, but was asked to come along, so I did. I can't believe it. There were 10 other people there, and nobody left. Rick Long was right next to me while I saw it. I pointed it out to him first, then told the others. By the time they saw white, it was gone, just that quick. You could hear brush snapping, then nothing, just silence. I know it's hard to believe, but eight others saw it at the same time. Bradshaw continues with his story. <clears throat> Excuse me. A fellow by the name of Brian Angle had a woodcutting crew in there on the other side of Fort Lewis Army Base at Gate 308. About three miles down the road, there's a crossing. They were to park in that spot to eat lunch. Suddenly, something came in behind their truck and screamed bloody murder at them forcing them out. They leapt in a hurry. Brian met the man coming out. They told him about the screamer, and he let them go home. Funny thing is, one guy quit on the spot. He was so scared. The next day, before Angle's woodcutting crew came into work, Brian Angle and his wife went into the area and found the previously stacked woodpile they had cut thrown all over the place. Those logs were 8 to 10 feet long each. The Angles were screamed at. They left the area. Totally unruffled, Angle stayed on to keep the crew from going in there to work that day, but Brian said the crew never showed up to work. He called them and they wanted to go somewhere else to cut wood, not there in that place. That is how I originally learned about that section of Fort Lewis, says Fred Bradshaw. In a follow-up conversation with Bradshaw, he said, quote, 
the BFR people got wind of it and they got into the act. God, what a bunch of screw ups. About 20 of them showed up and God almighty, I thought this would be the end of Bigfooting this area. To my surprise, one very large Sasquatch showed up in front of them. Don Udell, Rob Johnson, Daryl Smith, and one other guy and scared them by walking out of a tree line and standing at the edge of the trees. Don tried to talk to it and it made a high pitched noise at which time they all hauled butt out of there. They kept coming back for about six months to check cameras and then finally left the area. And next one. Again, Joint Base Lewis-McCord, Fort Lewis, Washington. On April 12, 2002, uh, she recorded another email from Bradshaw. More events took place in and around Joint Base Lewis-McCord. And Bradshaw says, I have found info on the Sasquatch also showing up on the north side of Fort Lewis, U.S. Army Base, Tacoma, Washington. The area is used by the Rangers as a training area. It's called Cat Lake. Kate Lake, Cat Lake, Cat Lake. For years, the Army Rangers have run into the Sasquatch in this area and now have quietly been using this area for night maneuvers because of the Sasquatch. I talked to a retired Ranger and was told that there are Sasquatch in that area for sure. Bigfoot is also noted in the Ranger Handbook of Animals of the Northwest. Sasquatch is in the book used by the Army personnel since the 1950s, maybe longer. The person I spoke to wishes to remain unknown. He is retired since 1992 and owns a business in Olympia, Washington, and doesn't want it to hurt that business. It's odd that men feel that way. I've found talk of Bigfoot intrigues most people, but some laugh. It's true. Some others I've talked with who are still active Army Rangers who confirmed this report. They also don't want their names released because of what will happen to them. Just mentioned Fort Lewis, and it generally brings up a Bigfoot session. One fellow from California. Let's leave it right there, Super Duke. That way we can come back and we got the final half hour for your incredible cryptid stories out of Fort Lewis, Washington. Don't forget that McCord Air Force Base either. They got some Bigfoot woo happening there as well. Spaced Out Radio with Super Duke continues right after this. Super Duke, Super Duke. Super Duke's going to have a quick sig now. Go, buddy. You <laughs> I'll go. be right back. Yeah, no problem. Love it. <coughs> Super Duke making a lot of noise there. A lot of noise. Guys having fun tonight in the chat room? Duked out radio. That's right. Big Texas. Got the hiccups all of a sudden. Good old Big Texas. He coming to Vegas. Come on, Wookie. Move Duke's microphone cover. Come on, Wookie. Oh, 
by the way, who was asking? Uh, no, that wasn't uh, Super Mario. That was uh, Everclear. Oh, what the hell is it? What's the song called? Oh, now I have to look it up. I think it's called Santa Monica. Yes, Santa Monica from Everclear. Our Keith Andrews likes a good cigar every now and again. I've actually been into Ghost again lately. Something about a good square hammer just does it all pretty good. Welcome, Arum, Arum Vorax. Welcome to SOR Chat. Thank you for joining us. Super Duke, Super Duke. Yes, I'm back. Are you on the square? Are you on the level? Are you ready to stand right here, right now, before your devil? That you're on the square. That you're on the level. Are you ready to swear right here, right now? Right here, right now. Uh, Kevin, I, I, we're, we may go to one of our radio station uh, towns. Uh, right now it's a toss-up between Vernal, Utah and Apache Junction, Arizona for next year's event. Yeah. That's where we may go. Super Duke's on the square. Super Duke's on the level. Super Duke's... Grandizer's got a question. Uh, Most of that stuff that William DeFalco covers as if they were local individual monsters... Uh, a lot of them are Bigfoot. It's just the local individual name they're using for them. But it could be some other cryptid. There's no real clear description of that one. Hey, Sovereign Farts, I hope you have a wet one after your last comment. Be careful when you fart hard. You might get a squishy. All right, big thank you tonight to uh, James, Louie times two, Eric, Scowling Greg, and Carlito, Mike, Simon, Thomas, Deb, and Louie again for the hat trick, for the super chats. Really appreciate it. And we got like 10 seconds, Super Duke. 10 seconds. Five, four, three, two. <laughs> Here we go. Thank <laughs> you. 
We've rounded third. We're heading for home tonight on Space Town Radio. We got the go signal from the third base coach. Let's make it happen. Slide on in. want to remind you that if you've missed portions of this show or others, you can check out our archives for free on YouTube, Spotify, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, Apple iTunes, and many other podcast networks that are out there for your listening frenzy. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read the newswire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. Here we go with Super Duke from World Bigfoot Radio talking about Sasquatch encounters in the Pacific Northwest, namely around a pair of very big-name military bases, Army Base at Fort Lewis, Washington, and next door to McCord Air Force Base. Super Duke, welcome back. Hey, hey, I'm back again. Let's pick up right where I left off before the break. Sure. Uh, anyway, this guy, again, uh, Fort Lewis, like he says, if you bring it up, it generally brings up a Bigfoot BS session. One from one guy from California, Ranger, did see a large Sasquatch by Cat Lake. He said the size of the thing scared a lot of them. That encounter was... Membership fees apply after free trial. Cancel any time. Can I be real for a second? That goal you have to exercise and eat better, you really can do it. But nobody is going to do it for you. And nobody has to because you can do it if you have the right tools and a community that cares about helping you get results. And that's us, Beachbody. It's as convenient as your TV or laptop, but you need to decide that you're worth it. Let us help you succeed. Here's how. Go to Beachbody.com to claim your free membership and start feeling great. Thank you for calling Navy Federal Credit Union. How can I help you? Hi, if I'm in the Army, not in the Navy, am I still eligible for membership? Yes, you are. What about my sister in the Air Force? Her too. And my dad's a Marine. We serve all branches of the military, veterans, and their families. My dog is a retired military working dog. I'll see what I can do. Find out if you're eligible at NavyFederal.org. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Insured by NCUA. At night, the creature came right up to their camp within 50 yards. They spotted it in a night scope, new Gen Model 3. And after that, his squad picked up and moved by request of the CEO on duty at the time. The creature was described as about 8 feet tall, black hair on body from head, 2 feet, and arms. Made a grunting sound, almost like a pig but deeper and louder, and that's frequently reported. The CEO was at Fort Lewis from 1982 to 2001. He was sent to a base overseas after 9-11 took place, and then he lost touch with them. The last, uh, another correspondence from Fred Bradshaw here says, there were many rumors of Sasquatch sightings in the area of Fort Lewis, but generally it's kept quiet because the U.S. Army doesn't want people running all over the base while maneuvers are underway. That's understandable. I respect that, but I'm not sure that's the real reason nobody on base talks about it. Uh, I've lived close to the base itself in the city of Roy and have worked the areas of that forest that are close to the perimeter of the base itself. It's a huge, almost indescribable forested area. I often meet other base personnel and have been asked to join them on outings on base after their training is over. I once received permission from the CO to go to the base to look for tracks along with an Army Ranger sergeant. The sergeant saw one of the Bigfoots on base, too. Right now, it's closed to the public. 
Uh, Bobby goes on to say it doesn't matter to her what opinions people had of Bradshaw. She had long hours of conversation with him. Nobody knew the woods around Fort Lewis Army Base like he did. Most of Fred's critics never saw a Sasquatch, much less ever set foot on the base itself. Bradshaw was seriously one of the good guys in retired law enforcement. I thoroughly enjoyed his contributions to the subject. I think Bradshaw was a man before his time. That is, what he knew fell on the ears of researchers who were uh, ensconced in the deep ape theorem. These people were unable to accept all Bradshaw knew, which is a shame. Today, the ape theorists are trying to figure out a way to scrape the egg off their collective faces. DNA presumptive for Sasquatch has done much to eliminate apes. As Dr. Melba Ketchum stated, her loudest detractors have been the ape theorists. George Karras, at one time, was well-known in the Sasquatch community. George hosted Sasquatch Northwest, one of their first Bigfoot-related message boards, and he did a fine job. Karras recorded Bradshaw saying about the Sasquatch, quote, They've been known to roll in the blood of the animals they've killed and spread their own feces on themselves to keep the unknown away. I'm not sure where he would have heard that. But I was reminded of the remark when in 2010, J.C. Johnson brought to light a story about a Sasquatch that trapped a skunk in an irrigation pipe in San Juan County, New Mexico. Which, by the way, is where former guest uh, Randy K. Magnozzi is. The skunk's remains were found later. The tiny scent gland was missing. The inference was that the Sasquatch used the skunk's scent as a deterrent to ward off predators and probably us. If the supposition is true, it's indeed an interesting concept. And it's effective that Bradshaw said a Sasquatch rolled in disgusting substances doesn't seem all that big a stretch. Bobby says, I often quote Bradshaw. He was a colorful, knowledgeable, and one of the most generous men in research. A retired sheriff's department officer, Fred told me his father was a security guard at Green Mountain, Washington. He confirmed with Fred the story that military helicopters brought large numbers of animals and cargo nets under helicopters out of the Mount St. Helens eruption aftermath which included dead Sasquatch bodies. I know a bit about these proceedings from my own experiences at Mount St. Helens, by the way, of the military pilots who flew me over the devastation in the fall of 1985. It's recorded in the book, uh, in the Mount St. Helens chapter. Fred's untimely passing in October of 2004 shocked us all. His sister, Carol Howell of Elma, Washington, notified us of his passing in October 2004. Fred was only 57 when a massive heart attack took him during a deer hunt. And again, Fort Lewis Army Base. The Oregon Bigfoot website posted another incident recorded on the Fort Lewis Army installation. Property dated November 2004. In essence, the unnamed informant was on duty guarding the AHA, the ammo holding area on the base, and at the same time having a conversation with his sergeant. He reported that they heard crashing sounds coming from heavy timber and was at that time concerned that a Special Forces Ranger unit might be trying to shake them up. They ignored it momentarily, then heard a high-pitched vocalization. The unnamed sergeant reportedly said, What the hell was that? The informant told him it sounded like a Bigfoot. The sergeant got back into his Humvee and the informant returned to the guard shack. That was all the information on the website report on that one. And another one. I am an active duty soldier with over 21 years of service. I have been stationed at Fort Lewis Army Base, Washington on two occasions, 87 to 91 and 2000 to 2002. I was an infantryman, so a lot of my time was spent in the field with my unit. 
during my first assignment, we heard rumors every once in a while about weird things happening in the field, mainly strange howls and noises in the brush, but nobody really paid it any mind. On my second assignment, there were quite a few incidents that I experienced firsthand that made me a believer. The first happened just shortly after I arrived in the early summer of 2000. My platoon was practicing day and night land navigation in preparation for the expert infantryman's badge test. I was a staff sergeant at the time and was one of the graders. We had done the daytime course, had chow, and then proceeded with the night course. The course is an individual test, and we sent out about 10 soldiers at a time on their own. At night, the soldier has to find four points using only a compass azimuth and a pace count for distance. Each leg is 500 to 1,000 meters. The soldiers have three hours to complete the course and return to the start point. After three and a half hours, everyone was back except one. We figured he was lost, so we blew whistles to guide him in. After a while, we went out in two Humvees to check the roads that border the course. Instructions are, if you get hopelessly lost and come to a road, stay there until you are found. There's also a panic azimuth for the compass that will take you to a road. We drove around for about an hour and didn't find him. We called back to our battalion headquarters to report we had a missing soldier and got instructions to keep searching. We sent out the entire group with flashlights to search the course. I stayed in the vehicle searching the roads. Another hour went by. I got a call over the radio from the other search vehicle that they had found him and was heading back to the start point and that he needed to see a medic. As it turned out, the soldier was distraught but coherent, sweating like he had been running for miles and had a lump under his eye and scratches all over his face. His weapon, an M16A2 rifle with Kevlar helmet, were missing. At first, he claimed he was startled by what he thought may have been a bear that went crashing through the woods near him and was growling. In a panic, he took off running and smacked face first into a tree. At that moment, the bear moved in his direction. He had lost his helmet and weapon in the dark when he hit the tree, so he took off again without it. He said he could hear the animal breathing heavy and making growling sounds as it moved. As he was running, he could hear the thing breaking the brush behind him, but it would slow and stop when he did. This went on for a long distance, and he was totally disoriented in the dark and had no idea where he was going. Finally, he found a road. We still had to find his weapon, so everyone on site had to stay in the woods until it was found. We searched by flashlight all night, but it was not found until the next morning. There was not much concern from higher-ups about the incident, except for the missing weapon. Once it was found, it was a closed issue. From then on, the soldiers had to have a dummy cord connect their weapons to their bodies, because the soldier was in my platoon. I had a lot of interaction with him after that. Infantry men become very close because of all the long hours spent together. A few weeks later, talk of the incident spread within the confines of the platoon. The soldier revealed more of what had happened that night to a few of his closest buddies. I talked to him about it, and what I heard made my skin crawl. First of all, he admitted it was not a bear that he encountered. He knew all along it had to be a Bigfoot. The first contact with the creature started with brush breaking to his front, and he could make out a large, tall shape, stand up on two legs and swinging its arms as it moved to his right. He was so panicked that he turned around and took off in a sprint, and that's when he smacked into the tree. He said he was so scared he couldn't even breathe. The rest is the same as his original account, except instead of just growling, there were several whooping sounds and whistling sounds. 
I told him I believed him, and I think most everyone else close to him did as well. He seemed to be more embarrassed about it than anything and did want, not want to issue, the issue made of the real story. He did not want to be made out as a fool. Now, around November 2000, I heard about another incident on a field training exercise. Two soldiers from the company's scout platoon came to have had apples thrown at them during the night while they were occupying the observation post. They also heard strange noises and were reporting this all over the radio net throughout the night. Nobody paid much attention to any of it. I talked to one of them later, and he said they both had the bleep scared out of them that night. It had to be an animal of some kind by the noises it was making. No other units were in the immediate area. But what kind of animal throws apples? During the summer of 2001. <laughs> it's an apple snitch. It's an albatowitch. It's throwing apples at him. During the summer of 2001, a series of events impressed myself and a few of my fellow soldiers. Myself and another sergeant teched out a seldom-used fishing spot called Flander Lake. It's a small secluded lake in the South Rainier Ranger training area, about 35 miles from the main post on the southeastern end of Fort Lewis. The lake turned out to be full of bass, so we took out my small boat and fished there as often as we could. I went on leave, and when I got back, my buddy had a story. He went out there alone one late app. Progressive presents Adjusting to the Suburbs. I never thought I'd care about gardening until I bought a house in the suburbs. But now I find myself in conversations about liquid fertilizer, and I wonder, am I the fertilizer guy now? <laughs> no, no way. Everyone knows the ratio between phosphorus and nitrogen, right? Yeah, I'm still totally cool. Anyway, when you save with Progressive by bundling your home and auto, that's the easy part of adjusting to the suburbs. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company coverage provided in service by affiliates and third-party insurers. Progressive presents Adjusting to the Suburbs. You just bought a home in the suburbs, but no one told you about all the birds, specifically this one, who seems to be calling out Roy. Roy. But who exactly is Roy? And why doesn't he ever respond? Maybe Roy is just bird speak for save with Progressive by bundling your home and auto. I guess until Roy answers, we'll never know. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company coverage provided in service by affiliates and third-party insurers. Afternoon <laughs> to do some bass fishing in his small boat. It was almost sunset when he began hearing strange hollering sounds coming from the woods beyond the shoreline. Whatever it was, it was moving because the sounds were changing locations. There were short bursts, then silence, and then it would start again. He got back to the shore, loaded up his boat, and headed out of there down the trail in his truck. After work that day, we drove down there to check out the area. We head down the trail to the lake by the truck and then skirted around the lake on foot, just looking around. I went up on this wooded hillside along the lake and found some very peculiar things that are supposedly signs of Bigfoot. Tree limbs I could barely reach were snapped and bent down. Small saplings broken and bent over. I find it hard to believe that any ordinary person has the strength to snap live trees like a toothpick. There are also trees pulled out of the ground like a weed, which definitely could not be done by a person. A few hundred yards down, we stumbled on one of the strangest of all, a huge pile of its dung. It sunk, of course, but curiosity got the best of us, and we dug through it with a stick. There were small, undigested green pine cones in it. It was the kind of baby green pine cones that a pine tree sprouts before they dry up. There was hair like in a cat's uh, remains after they cleaned themselves, and also what looked like mashed berries and fibers. 
We started looking around the ground for any sign of footprints. The ground was covered in moss and was soft in a few areas. We found no definite tracks, but did find some very convincing imprints in the soft moss. On one of them, a heel could be made out, as well as the ball of the foot. Now, I wear a size 10, and it was much larger than my foot, by at least another 6 inches long and 3 inches wider on each side than my foot. We brought some other guys down there the next day to see what we found. We talked to an older civilian guy who worked in the outdoor recreation area on North Fort Lewis. We get tackle and bait there. Without telling him anything in particular, we inquired about Flander Lake. He said it was good fishing. We already knew that. But it was a creepy place. I asked him what he meant by creepy. And he wouldn't give any details other than it being creepy. And he hadn't been out there in over 20 years. So I then asked him directly about Bigfoot. And he replied saying, some people say so. We continued to fish there, but after that, we never encountered anything else. On Labor Day weekend in 2001, my wife and I decided to take the kids camping. I thought to myself, let's go to real Bigfoot country, because, hey, that's a great place to take the kids camping. My plan was the Olympic Mountains, but weather and time changed that, so we went to Lewis and Clark State Park. The park's only about 5 to 10 miles east of Interstate 5, but pretty densely forested close to the Cowlitz River, about 30 miles from Mount St. Helens. I knew we were in the right place when on a backcountry road near the park, we saw a house with a tall wood carving of a Bigfoot out front. We set up our tent and campsite, and shortly after dinner, the kids went to bed. My wife went with them, and I stayed out by the campfire. Now, around 10.30 that night, I heard coyotes howling. They kept that up, and about a half hour later, something else entirely different began to wail from off in the opposite direction. The coyotes stopped, then silence. A few minutes later, the coyotes began their howls and yelps again. Then the other louder wailing sound, and again, there was silence. This went back and forth until just after midnight. It got quiet, and I went to bed. Around 3.30, my wife woke me because she was hearing something. I sat up and heard nothing at first, but after about five minutes, I heard a sound similar to before, but it was much closer than before and higher pitched. At this point, I got out of the tent and got the fire going again and listened. I could tell whatever it was was on the move. Not that close, but maybe a few hundred yards. After a while, it stopped and I went back to bed. The next day, I asked around the campground, but nobody seemed to have much to say, and I didn't mention the word Bigfoot. The next night, there was nothing. But even the coyotes, not even the coyotes are an owl. I firmly believe that Bigfoot is real, and I believe my wife and I heard it that night. All these events make me certain that there is such a thing as Bigfoot, no doubt about it. And just to back this guy up, I heard the same exact thing, where there was a whole bunch of coyotes mouthing off, and there was a lone Bigfoot pretending to be a coyote calling back to him. And he was trying, obviously trying to call them in, like, hey, come on over here and I'll kick your butt sort of thing. And apparently they weren't falling for it. And after about the third or fourth exchange, it was quiet for a while. And then they started calling again. And it was cut off almost immediately by a high-pitched yip from one of the coyotes. And that was the last we heard of them calling that night. We got time for one more? We got three minutes, buddy. And let's see if I can get through. Is this one short enough? Yeah, it's kind of a long one. Uh, Here we go. McGuire, McGuire and Dix. 
AFB. Leonard, possibly related story from Craig Bennett, Pemberton, New Jersey. And he says, if I can get this thing to quit skipping around here. Dear Mrs. Short, I've never seen a Bigfoot, found any tracks, or heard any sounds, but recently I discovered your website and thought out of curiosity to just take a look. The accounts by military personnel are interesting. The point is this, back in December 1977, some 36 years ago, I was a freshman at Burlington County College located in Pemberton, New Jersey. Next door is McGuire Air Base and Fort Dix Army Base. So it was a common sight seeing military personnel in the college courses. I was sitting at the snack bar and trying out my first cup of coffee. A soldier walks in, went over to a table, and then a second soldier arrived and went over to the first one and excitedly asked him if he had heard about the news. He related that a platoon of soldiers on an exercise from a nearby fort went into the woods to drill and were injured in an encounter with a Bigfoot somewhere in the Pacific Northwest. The first soldier then looked around the room nervously, and then the other soldier and told him not to talk about it here, and we'll do it later. I did not see them again, nor do I know their names. Also, I really didn't look either, because I was trying to pass my courses and experience college, not get Bigfoot reports. If there's someone with any more information on this one, please pass it along to us. So there you go, a whole pile of military-based Bigfoot encounters. And again, this this goes to back up, and there's a ton more of them. That um, there's no doubt that the military knows that these things are out there, and why are they covering it up? I have no idea. Well, me and Robin will talk about that when we come on. <laughs> well, you know, I always have time for you and Robin. You know, I do. Super Duke, we got a minute left. Do me a favor, tell everybody where they can find your dulcet tones. On World Bigfoot Radio. Well, you can find World Bigfoot Radio and World Bigfoot Central and all my other sub-outlet uh, <clears throat> shows on World Bigfoot Radio on YouTube, also on BitChute, Odyssey, Rumble, and Bright Eon. I have two support groups on Facebook. One of them is World Bigfoot Radio TV, which tells you when new shows are coming out, so you're not getting notified by YouTube. Hmm over there you'll get notified and also montana bigfoot project wherein we file all sorts of reports on actual sightings and evidence for them and then of course i'm also on the MeWe social media platform world bigfoot central and upper midwest bigfoot central i have the number one and two biggest groups on that platform for bigfoot that's because you're magical super duke you're a big man who requires a big platform yes I am the big fish in the small pond on Rumble, too, by the way, of the top five biggest Bigfoot channels over there. Uh, number two is Cam Buckner with Buckeye Bigfoot, and number one is World Bigfoot Radio. Beautiful. And I have three times as many subs as him on Rumble. So come on over and add to my subs and sub me on Rumble. <laughs> yeah, Super Duke likes his subs. That is for sure. Add a little pastrami, some cheese, lettuce, onions, tomato. It's a good sub for Super Duke. We appreciate you, my friend. Thank you to Swamp Dweller and our good friend and monthly contributor to this show, Geraldine Orozco. We got Mr. Ron Bumblefoot Thaw rocking in the background with Little Brother is watching. Bumblefoot is the official music of Spaced Out Radio, rocking us in and out of every single show. Get your horns up for the guitar god himself. Special thanks to everybody listening in. 
at home, at work, in your cars, wherever you may be. Thank you to everyone in our chat rooms tonight. YouTube, Twitch, LGAP, Facebook, Spreaker, LinkedIn, the Space Travelers Club, and on Twitter, at hashtag SpaceNowRadio. Remember, this show is copyright by Space Now Radio and SOR Media Ventures Limited. Thank you so much for tuning us in tonight. Because together, my friends, we own the night. Mr. Bumblefoot, we need a favor. We need you to take us home. Yes, the Wu train has docked for the night. But soon, my friends, we shall ride again. Your seats are always available. Your tickets never expire. And if you want to bring a friend, we've got room for them, too. Good night.